If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. It's a spooky, completely unnecessary podcast for Sunday, October 9th, 2016. Woogie woogie! Alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy! I can't <laughs> even. country. We're here for a spooky two hours of fun talking about retro and modern video games. We don't even have, like, a Woo! single spooky topic Woo! on this. <laughs> Maybe some ghost stories for you. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have lots of fun, and we're talking about some maybe some Netflix stuff coming up as well. But first, we have a sponsor, a sponsor. Ian, are you looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises? Yeah, occasionally I am. Loot Crate's got you covered. Sweet, they got a lots of geeking gamer items, less than twenty bucks a month. It's a lot less if you sign up for a, a lot of months. Uh, they also have the cool uh, loot wear, uh, which you, you can get uh, wearables and accessories. And last month, I almost wore it for the podcast. There was, believe it or not, there was actually like a soccer jersey of Autobots on it. Like it was soccer jersey, just about quality. And I was like, holy shit! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Besides the socks and like a t-shirt, there was that, and I was like, wow, I don't know how much this is, but it was really high quality. Uh, so yeah, you go to lootcrate.com/pat, enter code pat to save ten percent off on any new crates, any new loot crate sign up. And woo! It's horrors, the October theme! <laughs> We're talking 40 years of creepy, campy, bloody icons in this must crate. Channel your best final girl with items from The Walking Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween! You sound like an old woman. <laughs> I'm a witch! <laughs> you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. to subscribe to get that horror loot crate box and receive it. Before the cutoff, after that, it's over! It's over! <laughs> you always get more than what you pay for. You do. Uh, go to lootcrate.com slash pat and enter code pat to save 10% on any new subscription today. Boo! It actually says it on the, on the read. Boo! Boo! <laughs> so, Ian, I went to SmackDown. Oh, I would actually like to do a quick shout-out oh. to a uh, longtime listener and a uh, very, very good group of uh, people. Um, they're known as One Up on Cancer. Uh, they go around to different conventions. They are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. They are a gaming community-based, but they will help anyone. Um, they are dedicated to direct financial assistance for adults in the U.S. undergoing cancer treatment. And what they will do is they will help you pay your cancer treatment bills. They do open enrollment periods uh, throughout the year. They are currently doing one from October 1st to October 31st. And if you go to oneuponcancer.org, that's numeral one up on cancer.org you can fill out their forms and see if you are eligible for help from them um, so that's from the first of this month which is obviously already passed to the end um, if you are in need of assistance please get in touch with them and see what they can do for you all right speaking of open enrollment 
Affordable Health Care Act next month, Ian. we got to enroll. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I think it's this month. It starts this month? Yes. we got about five weeks. All right, so I went to SmackDown. Nice. Remember the nerd with words, how he used to post on com. He was in the cameo. He did the cameo for that Christmas episode a few months back, along with that asshole that kind of fucking backstabbed me that was also in that video. Who was it? Well, it's not hard to figure out. Anyway, so... Uh, he he's a, he's a lead writer now uh, for WWE and SmackDown in particular. So he was nice enough to to leave me and a significant someone uh, tickets. We were like uh, next to the aisle, like three seats in, like only eight rows back from the ring. That's great. so the non TV side they, they they rarely go to that side, but it was cool. You can like see everyone come down. I had fun. It wasn't the greatest show, uh, but it was fun. It, it was it was fun. I got to see AJ Styles. I mean. It was it was a promo between him, Ambrose, and Cena, but it was it was it was a good time. And you forget just how loud, uh, like the fire or the fireworks when like when Kane does his thing and it flashes and it's, you actually feel the heat come back from the ring post. Right. It is a good live show. It, it's better probably live than on TV because of that. Um, so it was a good time. Not much else to say about that. I always uh, like it too because um, it's a totally different experience without the commentary. Yes. Uh, that's something that people don't realize, yeah. and I actually. Um, I kind of prefer it more. It's 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 it, or at least it's interesting to 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 get it both ways. You can you can lose yourself and pretend it's like an actual sports event. Yeah. So I'll yell at the ref to like that he's losing control and stuff, and some like people laugh behind you like if you take it seriously. It's like, come uh, on, ref! Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun to kind of provide your own commentary. But yeah, then you also get assholes. Wrestling fans. I'm a wrestling fan. But I'm telling you, wrestling fans are the most obnoxious people on the planet. Some of them definitely can be. You had, I don't know how they got it, but there was the row, like four rows back, there was like ten guys that were just doing the chance and matches they should have. They were doing, at one point they did CM Punk, which I think at this point is very disrespectful. I just said, stop chanting for that fucking loser. I just said, <laughs> you know, they stopped. And they started chanting someone else. Um, so that was a good time. Uh, I got a new Flea Market, Flea Market Madness coming out. I uh, just came back from Retropalooza. Nice. That was fun. Um... I spent about $350 on NES manuals. I don't think I told you that yet. No, <laughs> you didn't. That's I got a, a good deal, though. I got a chewed-up Bonk's Adventure manual for only like 30 bucks. Nice. But it's like a 1 out of 10, though. Originally, the price on it was like 150 I said, dude, this 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 is like a 1 out of 10. Like, even he was like, yeah, I know. It's, it was poor condition. But it's it's a filler. You yeah. Know, so I'm not spending $300 on a Bonk's Adventure manual. You're not looking way. for minty ones. You just no. want them there. So I'm down to like 65 manuals, something like that. So I actually made headway. I got like a Jetsons manual. Was that shop? Because the game shopped like two hundred freaking dollars for Jetsons. Um, so I'm going to be at Retro World in Connecticut, October fifteenth, sixteenth. Then Ian and I, we will both be somehow at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo with friends, October twenty second and twenty third. I will be uh, bringing books to sell. I mean, I'm bringing books to sell. I am bringing a pallet of books to sell. So come on out and get your book. Because if I don't sell them, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them besides throw them in the river. All uh, right, there's I can't bring them bring them uh, back. Uh, and and uh, uh, I'll keep my bozo story for another time. We'll get right into it. I have a bozo story that a rainy day Pat's bozo story. That's It's more a phil- philosophical discussion. Uh, so. so, Ian, No Man's Sky. Oh, I was going to talk about maybe some of the things I'd been doing. Yeah, but... you, okay, well, Ian, what have you been doing? <laughs> Let's, you know, screw Ian. Um, so usually you dominate the Patreon preamble portion. You know that's true, Ian. <laughs> Usually you dominate it. No, last week was Vani's birthday. We had oh. a lot of fun. Um, 
and uh, I went to the uh, Polish festival in San Diego on uh, Friday. It was the 21 and up night, so it was uh, pretty wild and crazy. Tons of people were there. I was waiting for a Polish show. For you. It, no, <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> Tons of people there, ate shitloads of pierogi. It was packed. Uh, it was... I don't eat enough pierogies in my life. It was, like, one of the most fun nights out I've had in a long time. And in Buffalo, it's actually a really big thing, but I wasn't oh, yeah, expecting it. A lot more Polish yeah, people here. I wasn't expecting it to be so huge, and it was just a absolutely killer time. And uh, it's our anniversary this week, so we're going up to Disney for a few days. And uh, Disney's going to be cool, but I think one of the things we're actually most excited about is the new Japanese Godzilla film. Um, actually has its limited run this week from the 11th to the 18th. Limited run. So, Vani and I actually found a theater uh, on the night of our anniversary that's doing a showing of it, and uh, I think that's the thing we're most excited to go see. It's uh, directed by Hideaki uh, Hideaki Anno, uh, who did uh, Evangelion, so it should be really interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. So, yay, I got my words in. Um (laughs) to talk about my Bozo story, but all right. Let's, uh, yeah, let's start with No Man's Sky. So, um, yeah. You're going to talk or are you? Well, it says Pat starts. But <laughs> well, wait, I... but you just took the, you just took it away from me. So I thought you were going to go for it. All right, so let's arm wrestle. <laughs> so, so we talked about No Man's Sky before. Ian did his review of it. He probably, Ian, I don't want to say he skipped over some of the, um, Differences between what was advertised for. I don't think Ian was. Re- I don't think oh, was I, I wasn't aware. You weren't aware about the massive amount of people talking about the game before, and the advertisements, the pictures, the screenshots, and the videos showing not completely different, a, a completely different game, but a game with elements that were not in the final product. Right. And the game. That I admit looked, that a game looked massively different, done this graphically, but having giant dinosaurs and a lot more river system and stuff that was not in the game. Just wasn't in the game. Right. Uh, hu- huge. Uh, you know, advertising. Uh, stuff like, um, you know, like being able to transport cargo yourself, things like that. You know, with cargo ships, shit like that. These massive space battles. Stuff. So anyway, so a lot of people on Reddit uh, came up with a thread about all the false advertisement that abounded with the game. And now they're actually being investigated. The Advertising Standards Authority, which is a watchdog group uh, in Europe, they are going to uh, look into this No Man's Sky stuff. They're this going... is a European investigation, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so they're going to look into this and figure out, hey, was this false advertising? So uh, so according to this article in Eurogamer, Gamer, uh, it has the power to have advertisers it believes are in breach of its co- code of conduct withdrawn and prevent them from re- appearing again. The problem is the damage is already got done. No one knew who was buying this game. All the players have dropped out, but they, they've sold a ton of copies. Obviously, and that's where you have to some, somehow, you know, nip this in the bud. But you can't a lot of times with this, right? How, how do you do that? Uh, this is a rare case where I think this is a product that was grossly different than what was advertised for a video game. Doesn't happen as often for a title this big, I don't think. Um, so, uh, so they're going to investigate, and if they can, they can impose sanctions. Uh, such as asking internet search websites to remove a marketer's paid-for-search ads. Again, it's too late. I don't see this advertised anywhere in this game anymore, is it? Well, I think what they're, they're more... T- when I first heard this, I thought it was... Uh, before I had investigated it further, I thought it was like, okay, this is getting out of hand, because plenty of games uh, in text and in early screenshots have shown pre-renders and things like that. 
that grossly overpromised what the game would be, and then you know it was knocked down a peg as um, you know the game approached. Um, but as you read into this, it, it, it's actually a far more reasonable thing. Um, basically, all this is saying is. They're going to advertise it, and, and I 100% agree with what they're doing here. Uh, they're going to investigate it, and basically what's going to happen is, uh, what's likely going to happen is um, places like Steam, where the game is being sold, or uh, on the PlayStation Network, where you can download digital copies of the games, the old promo images that are still up there to advertise the game Don't will be it. removed... Uh, the old trailers will be removed, and they'll be replaced basically with current uh, the the you know actual screenshots. So, so I'm surprised they haven't been removed up to this point, though. <laughs> Me too. No, I'm. I'm, there's, I'm, there's I'm a absolutely... screenshot here showing this like this huge battle with like all these warships over this planet. Yeah, and, and I mean you you can encounter something similar, but it, it's absolutely not an epic battle or anything like that. Those those well, warships are 100% like a background image that has no effect on anything. And there's also an image, like uh, it's like a beach with like well, these three ships flying over. Yeah. And that graphic style is not even the graphic style of the game. They, they changed the style. So it's like you can't advertise that anymore. So, yeah, and, and then there's the traditional dinosaur photo, which is still used in a lot of uh, these um, these promotional images. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree 100% with this. Like, at this point, the damage has been done, but you, you absolutely need to remove these photos from as many advertising places as you can um, because it's 100% misrepresenting the product. So this, uh, is, this was uh, brought about from a Reddit user named Azure UK, um, and they told the Eurogamer that he didn't feel enraged about it, or at the game, or at Hello Games or Steam, but felt the need to contact the watchdog after seeing how, in quotes, after seeing how vastly different the trailers for No Man's Sky were from the actual release game. So yeah. he, he didn't even request a refund, but no, this is definitely a practice that you should look into to mm. prevent it from happening in the future, because yeah. you can't have companies making all their money off of these games that. They're going to make most of themselves in the first couple of weeks, and then it's not the game. You just can't do that. Yeah, I absolutely felt the same way myself. I don't know why I was there, but it was either on the Steam page or the PS4 page. I'd clicked on something, No Man's Sky, and I saw they were still using some of the old advertising assets. And I was like, that's totally fucked up. I mean, and, and I mean, I've been one of the few people who's been like, the game's not that bad, but obviously I didn't ride the hype train, and as you said before, I didn't realize the things that were promised and missing, et cetera, et cetera. Poor shame, Ian. Uh, so, someone, someone on the Reddit, this is funny, that someone actually be upset that it could, they think that this investigation could hold up Hello Games from improving No Man's Sky with updates. I'm not sure how, how that has anything to do with anything. You know, if you're being investigated, you should move your ass to put the updates Right. In. You know, you should get on it. To, but but they may not be able to update it to the point it was before with those gameplay uh, videos from two years ago showing the entirely different game. Well, and I'm going to be perfectly honest, as a person who found some fun in the game and played it for... And I even said, before someone jumps down my throat, in the in my initial review, I expected it to have about a month's shelf life for me, and it did. Um, but I think no matter what they do to update this game, it's 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 dead in the water. Oh, sure. It's it's too late. Unless they got those updates out in a month, I mean, it was too late. It's, too um, the, it's also worth mentioning that the, uh, the subreddit had gotten so toxic uh, mm-hmm. for No Man's Sky that it was shut down uh, by the original uh, creator and described as a hate-filled waste hole by the original mod. Uh, basically, every uh, 
uh, topic was troll-filled, uh, hate-filled. There was no way to have any discussion going on. Sounds um, like YouTube. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, it, it apparently uh, that article has been uh, updated. They are going to re or uh, reopen it. Um, the moderators have been brought together, briefed. They are going to try again to have a more moderated, more tempered uh, subreddit. I frankly, sorry guys, don't see that happening with a game that is uh, this maligned. Um, but you know, malignant, 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 maligned. It's a G silent. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I I think that Hello Games is done, though. Oh, they won't be putting out anything else under that name. They're just going to close up shop, fly by night, and go <laughs> go away and come back. And Sean Murray, uh, you know, he might... I, I believe he left the country. Is the... <laughs> So I don't know that for a fact, but someone, uh, I had a couple people in the store told me that he was taking, like, an extended vacation out of the U.S. Oh, that might be a bad idea. Why not? You know. Come on, take the money and run. So, <laughs> this is, holy shit. Our pals at Retro Video Game Magazine. Our pals? Our pals. At Retro Magazine? At Retro Magazine. Uh, headed by uh, well, our pal in particular, Mike Kennedy. Who's Mike Kennedy again? Uh, he was the mastermind <laughs> behind Doctor Wiley, the retro- of the, of the Coleco Chameleon, the Coleco Chameleon in the retro video, uh, video uh, retro VGS system. Uh, has apparently found a new <laughs> business venture. Oh God! Um, it's kind of sad um, because. Uh, apparently he's uh, picked up the licenses to some other products, and instead of trying to make his own crap and sell it, he's picked up the licenses to some other things and is now going to be selling those. Some things that we've covered in the past, some things that we haven't, but uh, we've known about. So, um, some of the things that uh, Retro Video Game Magazine is now selling either through commission okay. or... Yeah, they're selling off their website, let's be clear. Yeah. Or they actually also sell the back issues of their mag- magazine and subscription to their magazine no longer really exists. Mm. They're also going to be like, a, I guess, a subsidiary or a drop shipper. Just a for, retailer. A retailer for some of these products. Some of these products. So um, one of them is the NES 30 Pro Bluetooth controller, which looks a lot like, the, I believe it's called the NES Doe uh, controller. Might even be the same thing under a different name, um, which is actually supposed to be a very nice wireless NES controller. Um, they're also selling Pac-Man uh, figurines. The Pop, uh, the Funko Pop Pac-Man bundle, all seven Pop Pac-Man figurines. Um, and what we covered actually a, a while ago, the Retro Bit Generation with the IREM, Capcom, uh, Data East games for fifty nine ninety nine. I think they raised the number of games to a hundred at uh, from like sixty on that system. Really, that's crazy. That's the, less any... than a dollar a game. So that system might be one to look out for. I'm not sold in that crappy looking controller though no but uh you know i think that could be one as we as we venture into this new sort of um the nes classic edition obviously uh this new this new uh generation of consoles that have all these games built in this could be this next step up from like the you know the atari ones and coleco ones uh portable handheld gaming systems uh super retro trios so it looks like they've given up on their own systems and they're just becoming, uh, you know, a market front for hey, other stuff. At least they're selling stuff that exists. 
Yeah. And that just hopes and dreams. <laughs> Selling hopes and they dreams. They have actual products that you could actually go out and just buy so, from somewhere else. This is this. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, this isn't like kicking dirt on the grave, but I actually got an email about this. Yeah. I was I would never aware. I, I did too. Actually. Oh, you did too. Yeah, I did. Okay. I don't know how you got one. Yeah. You know, we're, I guess we're on the drunken podcaster email. Yeah. List. <laughs> but this email said. Hello and happy Friday. You are receiving this because you are either a current or past reader of Retro Magazine and from California. As indicated in our previous email, we are excited to be a retailer for the RetroBit Generations video game system from RetroBit. This is an exciting new system, blah, blah, blah. And if you are in Southern California and want to pre-order your system from us, you will have the opportunity to pick it up in person at our local Southern California pickup party. woo Um... <laughs> Oh my god, it's going to be in Orange County. Okay, so this is why we're going to talk about this. They're trying to, they, Mike Kennedy is trying to sell you this as a backdoor way to tell you if you buy this from him, this is going to help fund the future of Retro Magazine. (sighs) How many problems do you have with that? A lot. If the magazine can't sell itself based upon uh, the people already buying it, and maybe the fact that it's dropped off because someone running the magazine was involved with uh, a particular awful Kickstarter, an awful retro game venture, uh, retro game system venture that went absolutely nowhere. Maybe that's why no one's buying the magazine. You know, like, or maybe the content quality dropped off. Maybe the editors and writers all left the magazine Zane. because the reputation based on the person running it is in tatters. Um, I mean, in the last magazine, it's just a compilation of interviews and no actual articles. Uh, maybe because you stopped covering retro game coverage and you started covering uh, modern indie retro-like games and y- your vision of the magazine at the start completely changed halfway yeah. through and having, turned into something different. Having a Mortal Kombat issue with having the new Mortal Kombat X on the cover. You know, Be- stuff like that. Because your magazine was a chameleon and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you have no vision for the magazine. It, it's this is not funding anything that anyone wants anymore. And by the way, they haven't even mailed up twelfth issue yet. No, which was supposed to come out. I don't know a year ago. I don't know. It's, these are supposed to be every other month. By the way, these mag these magazines when they're supposed to come out. Yeah. So, I all I'm going to say is this, and I see people getting excited about this announcement. Buy, buy this anywhere else. Anywhere else. You can buy this. You can pre-order this anywhere. Yes. This is not stuff that you can only get through them. This isn't a retro magazine exclusive system. Right. You can order on Amazon or anywhere else. Off Any other retailer is going to have this. Off of eBay. Don't give them a set. Is what we're trying to say. It's not letting bygones be bygones. Don't reward bad behavior. Yeah. This isn't Haterade. This is why would you do that? Just why? I don't know. Don't let someone who lied to you multiple times and screwed people over and changed their story. Um, it made con- you look foolish, by the way. Yeah, it made you look foolish. Continue to try to fund a sinking ship that is not going anywhere. This is the last pipe dream there is, and it's not going. To, this isn't going to fix anything. This isn't going to right a sinking ship. This isn't making amends by being uh, a retailer for aftermarket products that you're just going to put on your website. That you can get anyway. Hey, fuck it. I'll put it on my website then. Buy them from me then. You know? <laughs> like, right. Uh, I'm not trying to be a shill. You can buy these 
Uh, anywhere. I could get these from Luna. Uh, you could get these from your local mom and pop game shop. You could get yeah. them from a fucking big corporation like Amazon. I don't fucking care. This is this is nothing exclusive. Also- you you can you can go and you can get this controller from someone who set up a booth and paid money at a convention. Help sure. them make their money back. Sure. He All is, right. Are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm drinking sparkling water. You're probably drunk. I'm fucking hammered. <laughs> All right. I was very excited to see this. Uh, because it was it was surmised that the NES Classic was coming out. There might be more of these Nintendo mini systems. Yeah. And, and we got... And the original's coming out. The Famicom Mini is coming out. And it's adorable. <laughs> and... I'm surprised this was announced after the NES Classic Edition, or maybe they wanted to see, maybe they had it in the worst, want to see the, the positive response to the, to obviously the biggest market, bigger market in America and and, and worldwide for the, the NES version before coming out with the announcement for the Famicom. Sure. But I am really, really happy to hear about this because now this is another another thing I got to buy just to have, you know, another retro item. Uh, member berries. You watched in South Park this year. Member Famicom. No, but my member. Co- member the Cantina. My uh, member NES. My, my coworker Lane keeps saying that, and she explained it to me at work. Like every time someone comes in, she's like, "Member, member." She just keeps member talking. Member Gremlins. About it. Oh yeah, I remember Gremlins. <laughs> so this is going to come out also in November. Tenth, one day before the uh, NES Classic, and maybe two days before something else that might be also NES related that we might announce. Yeah, in, uh, in the future. Uh, what's cool is that the commercial is the exact style of the original Famicom commercials. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you haven't seen a lot of Famicom commercials out there, but it almost sounds like even the same announcer or someone very close. Yeah, to that classic Famicom announcer. You know, it's like a very deep voice. So I have three thoughts on this. Well, I have more than three thoughts, but. Let's, you want to go over? Let's go over the games first. Yeah, because there's some differences. About two thirds are on the NES Classic Edition. We can run them down and go through the ones that are and are not. You got Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, uh, Excite Bike, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Galaga. Yar Kung Fu is not. Yar Kung Fu did not come out in the U.S. Considered one of the first one-on-one fighting games. I remember playing this at Seaside Heights. And the pizzeria actually had an arcade machine of this. Oh, that's awesome. And getting my ass handed to me, I think, in the second the second guy with the stick. I think yeah. Was, this destroyed me. But remember, they had ER Kung Fu next to a punch-out cabinet. I can't remember if it was Super Punch-Out or not. I was like five. But I remember that. So, ER Kung Fu is a fun game. Mm-hmm. Talked about it in the video game years. Yeah, we talked about, like, kind of, yeah. I think it, we don't have the perspective since we didn't grow up with the Famicom. Maybe, that, maybe, was that, maybe our equivalent was, like, uh, I don't know, pro wrestling. For them, it was ER Kung Fu. You know, something like that. Super Mario Brothers, of course. Legend of Zelda. So, I just want to interject here, because uh, my my buddy Kevin and uh, a longtime listener of the podcast um, brought it up, and he was like, what would be really cute, he's like, and it's not going to happen, he's like, but I wish, because Legend of Zelda's on it, it's the Famicom Mini, he's like, I wish they would have put a little microphone in the Player One controller so that you could do the yell to kill the... Uh, the the dudes with the big ears. I can't remember their names now. But he's like, that would have been awesome. I was like, oh, I would have ordered one just for that. That would have been awesome. Well, I think it's the Famicom disc uh, 
system version I think they're going to put on there because that was a that was the first release uh, over there. Oh, four okay. Cartridge, which is, I, that's nothing to do with the microphone, but I think you'll get the extra sound channels though. Oh, okay, and, and stuff like that. But still, it would have been awesome so, if they put the little. I mean, it's the only game that would have used it, but it would have been cool if they put because the little microphone to them the ROM's there. a ROM. What's the difference? Yeah. So I think you're going to get the Famicom disc version. This is a version on that one. Then you're going to get Atlantis No Nazo, which is a game I had heard of before, but I'm not really familiar. I don't know if you are, Ian, no. with this. So it's a um, Sunsoft side-scrolling platform game, uh, and it came out in 86. Uh, again, I don't have a lot of experience with, with this, um, but I, I've seen the title before. Uh, so I have to trust that they know what they're doing. Gradius. Yep. Uh, then Ghosts and Goblins. Mm-hmm. Those are, uh, Solomon's Key. Not on the U.S. version. Not on the U.S. version. Really good game, though. Kind of a surprise one. I guess that was a very or it was more popular in Japan than here because mm-hmm. it wasn't that. I mean, it, it sold pretty well here, but yeah. it wasn't a popular popular game. Uh, Metroid again. That could be the this system version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Castlevania, Adventure of Link, Bumping, Bumping Sumo. Sumo. Not familiar with Bumping Sumo. I am fun game, but yeah, not something that would have gone over. You know, well, huge Sumo is not big in the U.S. No, <laughs> unless you're talking Yokozuma, Super Mario Three. Um, interesting. Uh, Ninja Gaiden. We're getting part two here, not part one. No, we are getting Ninja, we are getting Ninja Gaiden. We're getting one. I thought yes. we were getting two. No, we're getting okay. Mega Man two. Oh, okay. So, Which we, is so that's here. So that's fine. River City, City Ransom, Ransom is huge. The big difference that we're not getting that in the U.S. And that's where I'm like, holy shit! Why aren't we getting that in the U.S. if it's on this one? So that's so that's what the fourth game that that or fifth game so far that's different. That yeah, we're not getting that. That's considered one of the, one of the best, uh, best you know, games. Probably a top twenty game in, in on the uh, in the U.S. Five stars according to a certain NES guidebook. <laughs> so I mean, why wouldn't that be in the U.S.? I don't know. Maybe it's a rights issue. Um, but it's Technos, which is which did the next game on the list, which is also Double Dragon too. Sure. Um, and then you're also getting Super C. Uh, and then you're getting uh, Final Fantasy three, which is actually a ton of fun. Um, shame, but that never came out in the never US. Never came out here. Uh, Doctor Mario, which is great. Now Downtown Takatsu Monogatari is. Um, I thought that was River City Ransom, so I think they might have renamed it wrong because I'm under the impression that uh, this ver- this one gets uh, Renegade. I'm under the impression that this one actually gets the, the original Renegade, and then Downtown Surrey, uh, Surrey UK. Uh, Da- forgive me, <laughs> Dayun Dokai is, um, it's kind of like a weird precursor to Crash and the Boys, where okay. it's like a running, like, uh, beat em up, but there's like a contest to it. It's like so, a contest. So it's kind of like Crash and the Boys Free Challenge, but it came out before that? Uh, before or after, but it, it's uh, similar well, I'm to looking that. At, I'm trying to find the video right now, because I go through, uh, they actually go through the video, uh, oh, okay. each game in detail. It's a lot better than, than the commercial in the US didn't actually show all the games, and they do it by uh, order of year, which is actually how they're listed there, if you notice. The year they came oh, out, it's okay. actually listed in order. So, Final Fantasy 3, 1990, and then after that, Dr. Mario, after that, because the video they came out with for the, is like three maybe, minutes, maybe it's I'm like five wrong. minutes long. Okay, it looks like, you're right, it looks like a Crash in the Boys style game, but it's not Crash in the Boys. You're no, right. it's it's more of a, a straight up beat em up competition. But, like, you're, but, but you're running. They're running along, stages. they're throwing tires, and they're they're climbing up a building. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get that. Nope. We also didn't get. Well, we, we we got the, we got, we got this in the U.S., but not on the NES uh, Classic Edition. Mario Open Golf. Yeah, which is a fun game. Um, 
I believe there's, there's huge differences. And I can't remember them. I believe we covered it in a certain guidebook. Uh, we might have covered the differences. There are diff- uh, pretty big differences well, between... You wrote the, the review, didn't you? Yeah. I, I, I can't remember if I had to cut them for space or not, but um, there are differences between the U.S. and Japanese version. Pretty big ones. Super Mario USA, which would be Super Mario 2, um, and then Kirby's Adventure. So you're getting eight games that didn't come out in the U.S., uh, so a little, over two th- a little under two-thirds. Uh, I'm impressed by that lineup, though. I'm, I'm probably almost... Or just about as impressed as the U.S. lineup. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the only one that you'd be hard pressed to play um, without knowing Japanese, or hard it would be hard to uh, hard to play without knowing Japanese would be the Final Fantasy three. Sure, Um, but Ian, there's also another difference to the system. The controllers are hardwired. That's the one difference because they were yeah um, on the Famicom. What's the other difference with the controllers? They're very very tiny. Like that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, on the Famicom, which is somewhere behind me, the one I have, the controllers sit on the side of the system. There's like little grooved edges that it sits in. So I guess they wanted to be super accurate to the scale and have them fit in. So if you get this uh, Famicom Mini, you're gonna have to play unless there's a way to plug them in, which I don't know about yet, with little controllers that's like the size of your finger. Which I'm not sure how easy that's going to be for people. It's probably going to be a huge pain in the ass. You think so? Yeah. Would, would, would you pass on that then and be like, eh. I, I mean, the thing is, eh. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm probably going to try to grab a couple NES classics if I can, especially through the store, just for people who can't get them. I don't know that I need one myself. I probably don't need a Famicom Mini at all. Um, I think these are very cool things, but, like, if they're going to be in limited supply, I'd rather they just go to people who want them more. Um, I do think, especially, I mean, my hands aren't huge, but I think I would probably get cramps trying to play. Especially something like like a, a, um, uh, like a, a River City Ransom game or a beat-em-up. Mm-hmm. My hands would probably cramp up really quick trying to play them on the smaller controllers. So they did a great job swapping out the ones, because there's no Kid Icarus here, but... It wasn't as big in Japan. Right. There's no Castlevania 2. You still get the Castlevania. Um, there's no Punch-Out. wasn't as big in Japan. There's no Tecmo Bowl. I'm not sure it even came out in Japan. No Bubble Bobble. So they did it where they could. They they, they got rid of having uh, I think no, no Donkey Kong Jr. You still get Donkey Kong. Yep. So it's like they did it. I think and they swapped out Final Fantasy 3 for Final Fantasy. So I think they did the best job they could of switching it up. Mm-hmm. And the other big one that's not on here... Oh, that's it. So they they did a good job, I think. Um, obviously, I can't comment more on the sumo the sumo game uh, since I, I'm not familiar with it. It's or, simple, or, or the Technos game that didn't come out here. So, so I'm going to pick this up for sure, just to see how it feels holding the little controller. I think yeah. as of even a like last week, I mean, you could still pre-order them on uh, Amazon Japan, and they would ship them here. So, I mean, it shouldn't be as hard to get as the NES Classic, or we can start a magazine. And then have a website <laughs> and do drop shipping from the website. All right, knock it off. <laughs> what? What? What am, I, what am I talking about? Then move on. Well, hopefully we're not we're not putting these up out of order online, and people might be confused. <laughs> so, but if it is out of order, wait for that next segment because it'll be funny. It'll make sense then. There are a uh, few um, new details that have come out about the NES Classic Edition um, that are interesting, uh, mostly about display modes. 
Um, so it has been stated that there are going to be uh, three display modes in, in terms of how you can uh, get this on your TV. There's going to be a 4-3 mode, which is going to be the proper aspect ratio, um, and uh, it's going to upscale to the 720p that they uh, they advertised. Um, there's going to be a CRT mode, which is going to add the uh, fake scan lines. Um, and then there's going to be a pixel perfect mode, which is going to make each pixel perfectly square, uh, and it's going to put it in a perfect box. Um, it's going to look a little odd. Um, a little, would it be a little more squished. It's going to be totally square um, versus a TV that's more right. It's 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 pixel perfect, uh, but if you've ever actually seen something run in pixel perfect mode, it's not what you remember um, because everyone played these things for the most part on four three aspect ratio TVs. That's how you're going to remember it, and that's what it's going to look like. It is nice that they give you these modes. Um, uh, I I don't really like fake scan lines um is is someone who has a, a frame meister i actually find myself I'll, I'll always put fake scan lines on for a while and mess with them for certain games it looks nice it softens the picture a little well, that's why i like that it looks m- muddied a little bit the colors like muted that's how your old TV right looks. right so i mean it depends the i think almost the problem is for me is like with a with a with a frame meister, you have so many options with what you can do with your fake scan lines that I'll sit there and I'll screw with them forever. Um, if they're just given to you as like an on-off setting, like they will be with this NES Classic Edition, you know, you can just decide if you like them or not, and you get used to them. You know, so it will soften the image. But you know, the four-three mode would probably be nice enough for me. I think I'd probably stick with that, but I would I would try out the CR too. Sure, I think the menu system looks nice. Did you hear the song? It, this the song is, it, it's within the time period. Obviously, it's it's the same style, but uh, I I'll, I can probably listen to it again, get a better feel for it. But it was like it is it it's it's not out of, it's not out of, the, out of the time period. Mm-hmm. But it was well constructed for like a you know M eighty two or M eight demo music. Yeah, kind of it like was that. cool. Um, each game is going to get four save state slots. That's pretty cool, which is cool. I said you can't access it without going up to your, the console though. That's the only bad part. It looked like so you have the console close to you and. Uh, the one article made it sound like a negative, but I actually like how they're doing the manuals. Oh, this sounds fantastic. That's this is a genius, genius to me. This to part. me, too. Th- and this is something Nintendo, th- you you trust them to put some spin on it. But yeah, explain what how they're doing the manuals. So they kind of made it sound like a negative in the one article, but this is great. Um, instead of accessing the manuals from the, uh, from the system to the TV, you actually uh, beam them uh, via... <laughs> Via satellite, via satellite, via Bluetooth, uh, to your um, your phone with a QR. Code. Yeah, with a QR code. So you scan a QR reader with your phone. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's not Bluetooth. It's QR, and then you can flip through the manual on your phone, which is just so much easier on your eyes. That's the thing for me. I hate trying to read like text well, off plus, the TV. You don't have to go away from the game. You just pause the game yeah. and look at the manual. Boom, you, don't boom, to, boom. you don't have to switch after the flip, screen. Flip, flip. Uh, so I think that's a genius addition uh, of how to do the manuals. So I, 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 even though, like I said, I don't think I really want one of these. This is sounding nicer and nicer uh, with each bit of information we get about this. I think it sounds great. Yeah, uh, I think the four safe states per game is pretty cool. Yep. I think that's about as, all you really need. Obviously, on an emulator, you can have 10, but 4 is sufficient. Uh, and then 
the cute little menu. The menu looks nice. Mm-hmm. You see the video, you go through the menu. And yeah, I think having the manuals is great for stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know where you can still pre-order this. I think it's been sold out, the pre-order. I mean, the scalpers are getting in there. But I'm guessing, though, these are, they're going to ship tons of these out to the stores themselves, though. I Cro- hope. Cross your fingers. Are you going to get enough at Luna, Ian? I, I hope. You have scalpers at, uh, outside the Chula Vista store? <sighs> Jesus, I... I- I don't even want to know what the supply situation One is per customer like. or two. Well, I mean, last I heard from my secret inside source. What? He's not really a secret inside Ugh. source. I just can't mention his name. He's a buddy at GameStop. Johnny. His name's Johnny. His name's Johnny. Um, <laughs> we'll call him Johnny. Um, uh, last he heard, uh, the guy was like, you seriously need to expect four allocated to each GameStop. Four. 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 So we're looking at scalping again. Basically. We're we're looking at a whole lot, load of horse shit. At least for the beginning of November. Now this was this was a month ago, and things can change. And I mean, Nintendo can try to fix this problem, but um, they pushed back uh, the Pokemon Go Plus uh, wristband button thing uh, two months to try to alleviate the mm-hmm. problem, and they were still allocated like eight of them, so they could still only fill pre-orders. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But GameStop isn't pre-ordering this yet, are they? I don't think I don't think they were. Uh, I, I I don't know, but like I said, he was told to expect four. GameStop NES Classic Edition pre-order. Let's see if anything comes up. Playing with power NES Classics for collectibles. NES Classic Edition GameStop. Let's see. If my internet wants to work. You can pre-order the Playing With Power Nintendo NES Classics book. Uh, I don't see a pre-order for the NES Classic Edition on GameStop. So okay. I, I see listings for the Legend of Zelda Classic NES Game Boy Advance game. But no. Uh, so this might be rough. I think you're going to have to go with Amazon. And yeah. Amazon is definitely not doing them right now. But they, I mean, they're they, going to get them in stock. They're not going to give them four. Sure. Sure. You know, they'll give them a decent amount, hopefully. And... They'll ramp up. I mean, the good thing is that it's coming out way before, two weeks before Thanksgiving, that they can probably help resupply by December so people get it for Christmas. Sure. Otherwise, you know, we're going to have a lot of scumbag sell-over-the-week segments in December uh, for this game. Ian! Twitch. Prime. So, I don't actually... I mean, I've done a couple of streams on Twitch, but Twitch Prime, this actually sounds like... Man, this sounds like a really good thing for Amazon to be doing. Um, so Twitch Prime is a uh, membership uh, that now comes free with Amazon Prime, which is already a really great service. Awesome service. Free two-day shipping. It's 100 bucks a year. You get access to the, uh, what do they call it, the Amazon Video On Demand service. Yeah, you basically get your own version of Netflix. You get movie rentals. You get discounts on, what, some new games you get a discount on? Yeah, well. uh, yeah you do. You get uh, sometimes a pretty... Um, substantial discount like 20 percent off or something so um the uh twitch prime comes with uh um it comes uh packaged with like uh uh you know occasional free games it comes with uh free subscriptions to certain premium streams um, you get you basically get the twitch turbo membership yeah you get the twitch turbo membership free which by itself is like uh, 10.99 a month I believe uh, is what it is. It says eight ninety nine here. Oh, okay. Maybe they, okay. Uh, so, so you're basically getting because Amazon Prime is roughly ten to twelve dollars uh, a month. I think it's a hundred dollars for a year, 
Three ninety nine. Yeah. So you're basically getting this for free, a service that almost costs as much just on Amazon Prime. Which is really, really obviously good. And obviously Amazon owns Twitch, so they want to marry the two up and get more people going. So with Twitch Turbo, you get ad-free viewing. Because remember, when you log on to a stream like a certain NES marathon, you have to sometimes see an ad first. Uh, you get exclusive access to special chat emojis and badges. You get a little crown for your uh, name. 60 days of past video storage, game discounts, and free in-game goods, which I'm not sure what that even means. Uh, and then Twitch Prime also includes one free channel subscription, which is how a lot of people make money, which previously costs four ninety nine every month. So you're basically getting a uh, $14 value for free if you're already per month if you're on Amazon Prime. That's crazy. That's nuts. So what I'm thinking is this. Amazon is an entirely older market, Amazon Prime. Twitch is a younger market. Mm-hmm. They're trying to crossbreed these two. Um, either get people that might be on Amazon just to check out Twitch and discover it for the first time. What does Amazon have to lose? They're giving this free service something that may not exist. They might like it. So they'll start watching more videos. They'll make money on ads from pe- these people watching stuff on there. Then again, it's ad-free already, so I don't know how to do So it's ad-free, huh? <laughs> but you're also going to get maybe people that wouldn't want this that are on Twitch say, well, I can just get Amazon Prime and get all this other shit for free. Yeah. Amazon has Amazon all, has all original series now, like Netflix does, and things like that. So I don't see any negative aspect of this at all for one or the other to try it out. Absolutely not. <laughs> like I don't have Amazon Prime right now. But I'm ready just to sign up because it, you already. I think Amazon Prime also does like up to a certain amount. It's like five bucks to get groceries delivered right to your home or something. Like a certain amount, like fifty or hundred pounds, and it's only like a five dollar flat fee. They deliver it's on Sundays. It, it's nuts. Depending on this isn't a, a, a commercial for Amazon Prime, but depending on where you live and yeah, what no, you order, it, this is one of those segments. That you can get shit delivered like in like three hours from when you ordered it, depending on where you live. It's yeah, because they have it's called like Amazon Locker or something. They have lockers uh, that you can pick stuff. This happened to me. I needed um, I needed a, a, an AC adapter for my MacBook uh, Air uh, at a convention. There was a locker two miles away in Pennsylvania. So they delivered it by the next day to the locker, you know, instead of waiting the extra one or two days for the actual place. So they just get it there quicker. It's a great system. It's absolutely great. So, yeah, I don't see how this is a lose situation for um, anyone. Uh, so, so Twitch has 100 million monthly viewers over 1 million broadcasters. This is the statistics from this page. The average viewer watches 106 minutes of gameplay every day. This is why this is the future. Because I don't remember the last time I ever watched a, like 30 minutes of YouTube videos in one day. Uh, this is 106. It's like watching a movie every day. This is a new TV for kids. It's a new TV. No more Disney afternoon. It's now Twitch afternoon. And Twitch evening. It's Yeah, we're, we're old men. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> that, this part I don't get. That makes no sense to me. But. Yeah. Uh, Amazon does not disclose its prime membership numbers. But the estimate is that there's 63 million U.S. members in July. My goodness. So that's a good amount of people. Wow, 63 million? That's like one out of six people. in the, One out of five people in the U.S. is Amazon Prime. Well, it's free for a month or a couple weeks, but that's a, that's a, that seems way too high. No, dude, seriously, like everyone I, I talk to or know is like, oh, yeah, I just, I, you know, I have Prime. The average Prime shopper spent about $1,200 on the site last year compared to $500 for non-members. Yeah, because the shipping's free. Well, I think one of the yeah, things about, of course you use it. about Prime, too, is 
Um, Prime charges you a hundred up front. It's not like a monthly reoccurring. You can do monthly now. Oh, you can, but okay. it's more money per. I think it's like uh, da, 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 da. it's eleven bucks a month or a hundred a year. So you'll save like you get an extra month if you do. Okay. Well, when I first encountered it, it was like a hundred up front, so it wasn't reoccurring. So for a lot of people, it was like, okay, here's the hundred up front, and I don't have to worry about it again for another year. Which I think for some people is a lot easier to swallow. Let's see, what's where's my calculator? What's twelve times eleven? Twelve times eleven dollars. We're not good at math. So wow, okay, you save thirty-two dollars if you do the hundred-dollar sign-up. It's one hundred and thirty-two bucks if you do it month to month. So it'd be, it's like you're losing money if you don't sign up for it. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> this portion of the CU podcast brought to you by Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, here's the video game stuff. Uh, yeah, they're trying to get into that uh, and try to merge them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Amazon, now you kind of see why they might have outbid Google to get this service. Mm-hmm. Maybe they saw this coming a mile away. Maybe this really was to buoy their Amazon Prime membership even more and grow it, but... I don't see how they make money off Amazon Prime. Like, being that they must have the the volume of stuff they they ship. Maybe they realize that well, we're just gonna have more people buying the products anyway. We get a cut of that. We might even lose a little bit of money on all the free shipping. I remember when you Prime know. came out, there were people ordering like you know hundreds of pounds of cat litter just to see if Prime would do it, right. and they did. A lot of broken backs for that free <laughs> for that free uh, <laughs> shipping on cat free litter. shipping on cat litter. <laughs> okay. Not for a disturbing topic. <laughs> I was at Retropalooza when this happened. Like, this was breaking news at Retropalooza. And I was like, what the hell is going on? So, it was announced out of, almost out of nowhere uh, that Miyamoto declared that, like, Mario's around, like, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old. Like, just like, 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 like we should have known that already. On a random day. No, we shouldn't have. I've always put him at least in his like early to mid thirties. Thirty nine years old Mario is <laughs> by past estimation. Yeah. So basically Miyamoto said that they just always assumed that he was between twenty four and twenty five. No, they didn't though. <laughs> no. What? And that was basically it. Uh, in a recently unearthed uh, interview with Miyamoto, Nintendo's creative fellow revealed some interesting facts about their mascot. Uh, aside from the fact that he's about 24, 25 years old, we didn't define anything else. There's so much wrong with this. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I, I, I don't either. I mean, you look at Princess Peach and you go, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess like 25. I mean, so then you figure, okay, well, if you want the relationship to be about equal in age, sure. But Mario definitely does not look anywhere near 24 to 25. I mean, he looks older than us, right? I mean, come on. I mean, like you said, we're old men, but he's he looks older than us. Uh, I mean, you don't have that kind of mustache. I mean, in, in the modern day, there are some people who purposely try to groom themselves at 24 to 25 to have that kind of mustache for whatever reason, but that's... Just talk. <laughs> Mario's was based off a real person originally. Yeah. He was like the, uh, what is it, the, the, uh, the building manager. Sure. Uh, out in, uh, Seattle, uh, where the headquarters was. I guarantee you that guy was not 25 years old. You don't know. What I... He wasn't 25 years old. He's actually is still alive. Uh, that guy. I forget his name. Who, who should be getting royalties? Uh, but he wasn't 25 at the time. I'm going to guess he was like 35 or older at the time. That's number one. Number two, if Mario was 25, 
How come Bob Hoskins played him in the live-action movie, and he was like 50 at the time? Why are you bringing him? up the live-action movie? Because you totally it, did... No, you can because, totally listen, discount that movie. Okay. Captain Lou Albano was over... <laughs> was at least 50 with that Super Mario Bros. Super Show. Was he not? But was that... I did. But, but, but did Nintendo of Japan have anything to do with that? Nintendo gives him the sign-off. They give him the sign-off. Because it's like money. Fine. Done. That established a lot of the character. It established the Brooklyn, the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, and that became sort of canon after that. No, it, they don't yeah. even co- they don't even consider him a plumber anymore. He was a plumber though, which is my third point. Do you know how long it takes to become a master plumber? Well, you have to go through the training and <laughs> yeah. the apprenticeship. I'm not even. I'm joking, but I'm not. I, <laughs> you cannot become like a master, like an, your own plumber, by 24, 25 years old. You know, you you get to work under someone for years to do that. Get in the union, you know. Before you go off your own. So, any way you slice it, it doesn't make any sense for Mario to be in his mid-20s. So, let's just start there. Now, Ian, why was this announcement made? Why? I'm going to let you have it first crack at it first. Why do you think they came out with this announcement out of nowhere that he was this young? I'll tell you why, Ian. Because there is this stupid thought train the past, I'd say, 15 years that kids can only identify uh, with younger sort of heroes or protagonists in in their media. Uh, Whether it's cartoons, whether it's movies, or apparently now video games that you gotta be a certain age or younger for me to be into it. Uh, Which to me is so, does not give kids any credit and is so short-sighted. And this isn't now happening in a video game world. Because Mario is like the Mickey Mouse, you know, of, of video games. And how old is Mickey Mouse? Is he 24, 25? We don't know. He's a fucking mouse. But now they're trying to force that sort of weird uh, angle onto Mario. Because no one, you wouldn't ask any, any even four-year-old would have said, if you asked them how old Mario was, they wouldn't even have a guess because you wouldn't even thought of it. But you wouldn't have said 24. Like, oh, it was just 24. I don't know. Picture him without a mustache, though. They definitely have de-aged him the past 20 years or so. You remember the, com- the, the old Atari commercials? He was an older guy in those Atari commercials in the early 80s. You know? I'm just saying, he's got kind of you, a baby face I, without a mustache. But you see what I, what, what I mean? No, in the 80s, all the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Speed Racer. Sure. Uh, adult. G.I. Joe. They were adults. Speed Racer's like 18 or 19. Okay, whatever. No one liked that cartoon anyway in the U.S. He-Man. I did. He-Man. Kids looked up to adults... Shira, you you aspire Gem. They were all adults. Everyone were, in Voltron was young. Everyone in Gotcha Man was young. Okay, how about Silverhawks? Okay. Young. Okay, how about shit that was made in the U.S. American cartoons, damn it, America. Anyway, so you looked up to these older characters, not children. You you, you didn't you didn't want to aspire to be a child. You you looked up to the, your role models. You looked up to Shipwreck, and you looked up to Snake Eyes. And you like Lady J because she has short hair, and that's why you like girls with short hair now. Anyway, so that's a kid, though. That's what you, you looked up to. So they're trying to go reverse on that with Miyamoto saying, ah, oh, he's 24 years old. So they, th- they think they think kids would freak out if Mario was 40 years old, which, which is totally erroneous. That's why I think they made this announcement. So that's my thought. Am I totally crazy? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I just don't want to think about Mario's age anymore. I, I just Can you grow a mustache that full? At 24 years old, if your name's not Frank. That's what I want to know. Okay, go to North Park, walk around, and look for a bit. Actually, Frank didn't have a mustache at 24, I think. I think he told me he didn't grow it until he came here. Interesting. 
Is that really how we're going to end this segment? Yeah, that's, I think that's all I've got to say on it, because I don't want to be creeped out anymore. Expensive NES games. Uh, did you know there's a system called the NES that people collect for you? I'm so dead to the world on this topic. Yeah, I do. I know that there's expensive NES games. Well, GameSpot. <laughs> Our pals at GameSpot. I'm actually friends with the, the editor at GameSpot, Peter Brown. But they put out an article about the, uh, I guess, the most expensive NES games. Tw- these 21 rare Nintendo games are worth a fortune. So, you wanted to talk about this topic, Ian. So, what we got here... I did not want to talk yes, about you did. I said I did not want to discuss you this topic. To so, we're talking about it. No, you did. <laughs> you wanted to talk about this. Oh, God damn it. Why so, are you flipping the tables on this? <laughs> so I'll, I'll flip this, this, spread, this bed sheet on you. Um, we got Little Samson. Uh, what, what's, what's amazing about Little Samson, and this goes to other systems, games like Magical Chase... Is that there are other games on the NES just as hard to find as Little Samson. If not harder. That are worth $15. Or $10. Now, I don't want to say right now because those markets will be ruined automatically. <laughs> yeah. You know, so discover for yourself. But if I go to a convention now, like the last one I just went to, there's probably four to five Little Samsons there for sale. Right. And I'm looking at games here. That I didn't see four to five of that game right there, or four to five of that game. You know, like those very uncommon or not even borderline. You see, still in my head, I'm not even sure if Little Samson is a quote unquote rare game or just very uncommon. You know, it, it's sort of riding that line to me because a, a lot of people buy this game and you, f- you hear assholes buy like five or ten of these and start hoarding them, and then you know, you, the the market artificially deflates how many are in the market. I would say it's it's still probably rare. Probably. But you're not, like, positively rare. It's not like, oh, that's like Cheetah Men 2. You know, where it's like, you don't ever see it. You okay. see Little Samson. Sure. You know I mean? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, you go to a game like uh, DuckTales 2. A uh, game that shot up in value a lot the past, I'd say, what, four years? Yeah. Uh, you gave me a good deal at Luna. Back in 2010, thank you for that deal. You gave it to me for the loose value. Remember what the loose value was in 2010? I do. $40. Yeah. Because that's how much you sold to me, complete in box. Yep. And I was like, good deal. Thanks for that. Still up there. <laughs> but not as good as the original DuckTales, according to a certain NES guidebook in Ian. Uh, Torment Fighters. See, do you see even Torment Fighters as much as you see Little Samson? You know, you, you can make a case that those are... Same rare? No, I can't. I've seen tournament fighters like three times in the store. I, I don't think. I think Little Samson might be one that I've only seen once in the store, and that was very, very, very early on. Okay. Yeah, and that I mean, real early on. Bonk is a game that I used to see all the fucking time in Luna in my first three years working there, all, right. all the time. All right. A little disagree, disagree on that. Mega Man 5. When did that shoot up? Uh, two years ago. Two years last ago? year. I, I think even as recently as last year. It's the most expensive Mega it's, Man it's game. It's probably the hardest to find. The first one and the fifth one are probably the two hardest to find. Yeah, I, and I would say the fifth one is easily the most expensive. Because by that point, you know, we're, we're winding down. This was, what, 92? And remember, Mega Man 6 wasn't even published by Capcom. It was Nintendo publish Mega Man 6. So by that point, Capcom's like, yeah, we don't care. I do want to jump ahead a little bit real quick here. Okay. Because we are... I don't know that we need to go through 21 Yeah, I never heard, I never heard of statements before. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to go through all 21. Um, 
But talking about games that are crazy, what I, I like about this article is they are mostly on the spot. Unlike a lot of other articles, they're pretty okay on the prices on the value. here. This one's, this one's mind-blowingly wrong, though. Uh, Jetson's Cogswell's Caper has gone up in price. They're quoting a loose copy of this cartridge shells sells for up to $1,200 on eBay. Whoa, is that wrong? Whoa, is that uh, absolutely Real. out of... Real. Really Hold wrong. Your horses there. Yeah. Uh, Bomberman 2 at $125 to $150. I, we just sold the uh, copy for $125. This one I didn't realize. I didn't realize that an NWC goal went on uh, eBay at the end of 2014 and it went open auction for $26,000. I totally missed that. I didn't... That was probably the last one on eBay, uh, gold one, since, wow, before that, maybe 2009 or so. The gold ones never come up on auction uh, on eBay. The gray ones do every year, just about. Uh, there's there's a person depicted on being on a cable history channel show holding a gray, a gray and gold NWC card. I'm not sure who that is. His hair looks awful. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so the Jetsons one stood out to you, though. Yeah, I mean, all the rest of these, though, do appear to be pretty right. Um, I actually do like this list. Um, like I said, I don't feel like we need to touch on all of it, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm, actually, just, I'm just looking for one that surprises me. You have Chippendale too. Or... None of these are really like surprising me. The Gunnack seems about well, right. They're leaving off uh, unlicensed games. Well, are they? They, uh, yeah, they are. But I mean, uh, depending on who you talk to, I mean, a lot, you know, people don't. Some people don't consider unlicensed games. But then they throw in they throw in some Super Nintendo ones. You have Donkey Kong <laughs> co- uh, competition cartridge. Uh, Star Fox. Star Fox jumped up a lot the past four or five years. Yeah. It'd be like a $90 game, I thought. What is it now, like $400? Oh, $1,000 for a loose copy of saying? Is that correct? For what? For Star Fox? Weekend cartridge? That went up to $1,000? I think that actually might be right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's nuts. But, I mean, the yeah, the point I want to make is this is actually in contrast to a lot of these articles that we talk about in Trash, with the exception of that wacky Jetsons one. Um... This is actually pretty accurate and a, uh, a pretty well researched and and and, and uh, well done article. It's just leaving out. It is leaving out the unlicensed games. Yeah, which um, can definitely, th- uh, which could certainly could, shuffle up this. Oh, list. so they do have Action Figure Two on here though. Yeah, um, they're saying a mint copy of Action Figure Two today sells for roughly five hundred dollars. I think that it's might be complete. complete. Yeah, that's, yeah, you can get a loose one for maybe two hundred. Two, two, two fifty. Uh, yeah, Snow Brothers is on here, which I did find at this uh, flea market a few years back. Yeah, Dragon Fighter is one you don't hear about too often. Okay, that's one that I'd say Dragon Fighter is just as rare as Little Samson. Yes, absolutely. It's not nearly as much. Uh, Panic Restaurant definitely shot up. Um, and then Gunnack, Ian's favorite bunny-killing game <laughs> is on here too, which is actually the one I was kind of eyeballing before. You don't see... Uh, and then Zombie Nation, which is funny because ha- not half of these, but I'd say a chunk of these... Either I found at the swap meet, or I know people have found at the swap meet while I've been in San Diego. I, I personally found a Zombie Nation at the swap meet. Yeah, I remember that. Seller. Pretty exciting. I know someone that found Bonk's Adventure, Little Samson, and Flintstones Dinosaur Peak within the past five years at the flea market. That's... So it can happen. It can actually happen. It can happen to you. Ian, is it time for a scumbag? Seller? Of? The? Week. Week. Week and this is weak, weak. This is real weak. This is weak fucking sauce. This is some of the this shittiest is, shit I've this ever This is a seen. scumbag sauce of the week that's not even trying. This no. is like you expect to see this happen like two thousand eight. 
I yeah. I this, is, this, is this is a throwback. This is a throwback scumbag like, song of the week. This is like 1991. 90, if, if it existed in 91. This is like going to the old computer shows we'd see this happening. Yes, exactly. So, let's call out Jam V 1946 on eBay. I hope you get shut the fuck down. Uh, this person is selling... Batman Forever Arcade Video Game for PC. All capital letters. Uh, Batman Arcade Video Game for PC. Uh, so the first one, by the way, was Batman Forever by Acclaim. Uh, the other one with the exact same title is Batman for uh, Nintendo, complete with the NES seal. Ghostbusters Arcade Video Game for PC. Super Mario Brothers 3 Arcade Video Game for PC. <laughs> Arcade, what? <laughs> yeah, arcade video game, man. Uh, NHL 97 uh, arcade video game for PC. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'll tell you what this is. Mega Man X3 arcade <laughs> video game for PC. Uh, these are all three ninety nine each. And what this person is doing, as best as I can tell, is selling you fucking ROMs. With instructions on how to run them from, like, command line. Or just, like, bundled with an emulator and tells you how to do it. And right in their listings, they're basically insulting the people who buy these and don't know what to do. I I clicked on the Ghostbusters arcade one. Yeah. So, it is an exact... By the way, it's all in caps. It is an exact legal clone for PC. Batman Forever will be sent... I'm reading the Batman Forever one. Batman Forever will be sent to you the same day payment is made. International delivery through mail. No fucking shit. Email. Yeah. Yeah. This download will be sent to you in a zip file. You will have to unzip it. In red? In red. Capitalized letters. Now, all highlighted in yellow. This program works. Not to be insensitive, (laughs) but in selling software, I am finding out some people do not read or follow instructions. No shit. You don't follow legal rules. This is an easy program to use. Please do not purchase if you are not computer literate or understand how to download. Like, I don't understand laws. And then install. There are no refunds. Thank you for understanding. Oh, my God. I provide a service to search... (laughs) <laughs> Spelled wrong, S-E-R-H-S-E-R-C-H, and offer my customers the best programs on the market. Three ninety nine covers this cost. Okay, so you're basically paying this guy to search out ROMs for you, yeah, and then email them to you. Uh, Batman Forever will be emailed to you through pay- PayPal email address. Most of my pay- purchases are emailed in a couple hours. I check my email. In the- uh, Jesus. My feedback, which is less than 100%, is due to buyers that do not read instructions or are computer illiterate and do not understand how to download online or run the program. It is simple to download and run. 99% of my buyers have no problem. To the other 1%, please do not buy. Well, they already did. They already bought. Uh, It could also be because you're uh, selling fucking ROMs online. But people are actually buying these? You get the feedback? Uh, maybe it's fake because it's all capitalized. Pac-Man slash Pac-Man Arcade video game for PC. At seller would buy from again. At seller would buy from again. Thank you. I won't get to check it out till next week. All like no grammar rules don't apply and no capitalized <laughs> letters at all. So I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm surprised this is still up. Yeah. This. I mean, this can't possibly... I, this, this is, is almost just... like trolling for scumbag seller of the week. Yeah, like this person just desperately wanted to because, be on the podcast so bad. It's not a, an actual physical product. They're literally selling ROMs. 
Yes. Indiv- it's not even like one of those ones where it's like, oh, let's well, go back to the computer show. Buy a thousand NES ROMs on a CD for like, you know, five bucks. I see that at a computer show 20 years ago. This and- is one ROM for $4. Oh, this one is great. It's selling you a virtual console game, but illegally on your PC. So, now, now if the further down you <laughs> Does it, get, does it get better? Oh my god! Okay, so does it get better? So, so yeah, it does. So here's 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 a, a no- okay. So Teenage Mutant Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja. Tur- I didn't even see that before. Okay, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters Arcade Video Game for PC, three ninety nine, has the box art for the Super Nintendo, full on Super Nintendo box art, Where Nintendo Seal quality, oh, right it. there. Okay, now it. right below. Looks like a child made this in Fortal. Fortal. Well, we're, Call we're, we're, we're Call having too much fun. MK5. Mortal Kombat with a C. We all know that's the number one rule. You can't you can't do that in Mortal Kombat. MK5 <laughs> Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero. I'm just reading the screenshot. Start options. Mortal Kombat 5 Sub-Zero Combat Again with a C. Arcade video game for PC. What the fuck is that? What game is that? Now we jump down one mower. This is... Oh, this is good. NBA Basketball Jam Tournament Edition Arcade Video Game for PC. The screenshot is literally TV static in the background. A tiny NBA Jam Tournament Edition logo in the background. A stock-like clip art image of a basketball in the front. A tiny screenshot of NBA Jam. And then a little picture of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat in the top. Snake plus eight more arcade video games for PC. And it's the snake from Kubert. It's a snake from Kubert graphic. Not even like probably it's probably just a snake game. Yeah, probably. The problem is, is that most of these weren't arcade games. I don't remember. Everything uh, is listed as an arcade. Pokemon game. Stadium arcade video game for PC. None of these. You, you need this. Is, this is in the title. You need Nintendo emulator to run. It's in the description. <laughs> it's in the title. Oh my god. All right, well, um, everyone go report Jam V 1946. Uh, and uh, have fun looking through these listings. I think that's really all we can do with this. This is the more fun scumbag seller of the week I'd ever seen. This is probably the best one ever. But I can't believe he sold even three of these. And by the way, there's a quantity of at least five available for all of these, just to let you know. Right, because uh, digital don't, copies run out. Don't, 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 don't miss, don't miss out. So, um, the Power Rangers teaser trailer came out, and, uh, oh, man, I didn't really like it. Um, Andre Blackner's gonna have uh, some words with you, I think. I didn't... Use your words, Ian. I'm trying to. I'm trying to formulate the thought in my head. Were you a Power Rangers fan 20 years ago? I was. So was I. And I like modern Sentai stuff. Like, I, I watch it. I download it. I think Sentai is supposed to be fun. Um, I'm not anti-seeing where this goes. We haven't really seen any action or anything like that yet. Okay? I'm not 100% anti-seeing a somewhat serious take on this, but... They haven't shown us enough yet for me to see where this is going to go, but here's... It's a true teaser. It's a a true teaser. So, I can't 
yeah, I really, I, I have, I don't have a full, fully formed opinion. So where I'm going to jump off on this, though, is, is kind of going to take it in a different direction. I get upset to a degree when I see stuff like Power Rangers that is aimed squarely at kids. Okay, mm-hmm. um, that can be enjoyed by adults. And I see these people think that stuff that we enjoyed as kids, and I may have talked about this before, and I feel like that these people who enjoyed it as kids, as they grow up, feel like everything has to grow up with them. And it leaves nothing for the kids. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with this movie. But the trailer really kind of put this in a more serious tone. Now, if we see more, and it's going to be a story about kids overcoming bullies, and it shows that, you know, there's going to be some fun stuff in there and whatever, that's fine. But I just don't like watching every single thing have to grow up with the kids that enjoyed it when we were younger. I I want there to be something for kids to enjoy. I want the kids who are watching Power Rangers now and enjoying it with their parents to be able to go see this movie and enjoy it as well. That's my concern. Against all odds, I I, I want to enjoy this movie. I really do. I I, I, I kind of didn't like the I didn't like the costumes, and I made that I made that clear when we saw those pictures and we talked about it on the podcast. We talked about that. Yeah, we did. Okay. Or maybe we cut it out, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of the the costumes. I was like, everything has to look like Iron Man now. I didn't mind it because I didn't think they, they'd have to they'd stick with like the cheap. No, like, I, I knew they weren't you know, going to do it, but like you know, like I, I looked at, it, I was like, it's weird because like I really liked the Blue Ranger costume, and even though they all kind of looked similar, there were some costumes I liked better than others. So I really want to give this movie a fighting chance because I really like Sentai stuff. I watch it now. I watched it as a kid. I really enjoyed it, but they just made it seem so. Like you said, it's a true teaser. It's hard to form an opinion, but I'm a little nervous that they're going to try to make it too grown up. They're going to try to make it appeal too much to the people who grew up with it, and they're going to leave the kids behind who enjoy it now. That's my concern. Yeah, it looks like 90% of the trailer was cut from footage in the first 25 minutes of the movie. Yes. So it's the introduction. I I, I, I call it the Breakfast Club because they're they're, they're after-school detention. That's how they're meeting. Yeah. So it's that meets Chronicle. They're going to venture out together to find the, uh, what oh, I don't know what they're called. I haven't seen it. The Morpher Jewel, whatever that yeah. goes in the Morpher. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing that's different, though, from the original, and I'll get some of your points in a second. The one thing that's different is that it looks like they become super powered without the costumes. That bothers me because that's totally against the original. Okay. Uh, all, all the powering. That's, that's a little little bit least to my concern, but sure. That's, I, well, I, that, I understand. That's the whole point of them morphing them. For, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're The whole fair. point of that's them fair. morphing into the suits is that now they're in, or, or, almost indestructible and have super powers. They show the guy waking up. It's straight out of fucking Spider-Man 15 years ago. He wakes up and has abs and he hits the sink by accident. It's like, come oh, on, okay, man. Yeah, so, you're right. That's, uh, that's cliche at this point. But that's, yeah. but that's not a Power Rangers thing to begin with. Right. That's the whole point is that they're getting their ass kicked a lot of times. The villains come, they morph, and they become superheroes at that point. Sure. Make, okay, that, that, that's very fair. So I don't care about the costumes changing. They had to change them and update them. I don't care. Yeah. They, they updated them slightly or enough for the movies 20 years ago. Eh, they update them every actual show, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but to make them look somewhat you know, metallic or armor, okay, whatever. 
Uh, this is the gambit, though. The gambit that they're playing is that they're saying, okay, we have our core Power Ranger fans, and we're keeping it just close enough that we're all we're going to get all of them to see it. Right. But we they, they feel they can't keep it like a kiddie show because right. they don't think they're going to attract other people. So they're, they're trying to make it look like a freaking Marvel superhero origins movie. Mm-hmm. And they, they try to attract other people, general audience. Can that approach work? It could... But I don't see if I didn't know Power Rangers and I saw this teaser, I wouldn't be interested at all at this because first of all, it didn't convey anything. Second of all, it looked just like a superhero film, but it looked like a knockoff superhero movie. You know what I mean? So they're not playing to the strengths. The strengths is the cheese a little bit, yes, and it is the appeal to the kids and the lighter tone. That's what it's known for. Yes, there are serious Power Ranger uh, elements that are involved. Mm-hmm. There's some really serious ones, like when you know I remember when the when they, they, they this, remember. remember Remember, this is the biggest argument for keeping it somewhat light. They played the season uh, two premiere prime time. Yeah, with the Green Ranger saga, that shit aired like seven seven thirty at night, eight mm-hmm. at night. I remember showing them, and that was like not. I mean, they got pretty serious. Like when uh, Goldar was fighting Jason out of the suit, you're like, holy shit. Like, Jason's going to get his ass kicked. And he did get his ass kicked for a chunk of that. You know, like, and then Jason fighting the Green Ranger one-on-one. It's like, all right, I mean, this is still a kiddie show, but this is some pretty interesting shit going on here for a kid show. And then later series, uh, you got to follow a guy like Linkara, who who's done really deep analysis of all the Power Ranger seasons. There's some episodes where, like, a Power Ranger dies oh, or yeah. goes away, or, like, um, there's some serious elements to the show. So you can keep some serious elements by having it geared... <laughs> towards a younger audience. You can still do that. Yes. Like I said, I, when I was this came out, you know, I'm, I'm going into high school and I was still sort of interested at least following along the story. They're, they're walking know. a tightrope and I understand why they have to walk the, walk the tightrope. You you make very good points and like I said, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it. It was too teasery, I guess. Is Plus the, it shot dark. It yeah. shot like, oh, everything has to be all muddled and everything, which I, I hate that. I hate that approach. I need, I'm going to need to see a full-on trailer. I mean, really. The full Monty. Uh, yeah. Um, See more Elizabeth Banks. I, 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 I hope it's. I hope it's something I'm going to want to see. I, I, I really do. I think I'll check it out because I didn't bother watching the, the movies 20 years ago because I think I grew out of it. I think I watched it up to like Zero Rangers, which is like the third season or something. I was out of it or fourth season, whatever. Uh, but 20 years ago, the CG was terrible for like the Zords and everything. Mm-hmm. So at least that'll be cool. You know, and it's not like we're gonna get a Voltron live action movie probably anytime soon. By the way, check out the Voltron Netflix excellent cartoon series. They just dropped that. the season two trailer. Did so, they really yeah, already? So they're doing it. Oh yeah, that was good. Uh, so we'll, we'll check this out. Um, I like they try to have like a Bulker Skull bully real quick in the trailer, mm-hmm. but no, I, I'm just wait and see. But I am turned off though by the fact that their superpower outside of their suits that kind of destroys the whole fucking. Yeah, now that you point that out to me, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, I hope they do a good job of appealing to the core fans, but I, I do hope that there's still, you know, something in it that's going to keep the, the kids in it. Let's talk some Marvel Netflix series. So, right off the bat, I've only seen the first episode of Luke Cage, but I think it's an excellent setup, and uh, I'm very interested in watching more. I can't say a whole lot more. Um, I think the villain setup is very good. Um and uh, the dishwashing really brought me back to my early jobs. <laughs> picture yourself as Luke Cage? Yeah. I, I so, wish I could picture myself as Luke Cage. So at this point, <laughs> I've seen everything Marvel's done in their current continuity. All the movies and all the series on Netflix. 
and Agent Carter. Oh, Haley Atwell, sweet Haley Atwell. Well, I've seen the two series of that. Unfortunately, they didn't they didn't do the third one. I'm surprised Netflix didn't pick it up. I have not watched Agent of Shields. I think I've seen one episode. Doesn't interest me at all. The tone doesn't interest me. I think it's cheese ball shit. I don't like that. But I still like the fact that they incorporate everything from the movie still in the mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm a not a huge Luke Cage fan, but I like the character. Love him. Love uh, him and Iron Fist. I like, like Iron Fist. Favorites. I both their first appearances because I actually can afford them. Uh, but I like the fact that it was a different character. So Luke Cage came out in '72 at the height of you know black exploitation movies, and Marvel uh, kind of used that a little bit. And plus, they they said this is like our first real black superhero and marketed him like that. And so it was different at the time. Marvel was sort of uh, going off the beaten path a little bit with that. So people were clamoring for you know a lead black superhero in any of the movies. You're going to finally get Black Panther. Uh, and now you have Luke Cage, though. What I like about more what Marvel's doing with these Netflix series, with Daredevil and Jessica Jones, even though I did not enjoy Jessica Jones overall, it felt like homework to watch that by the end. They are having their gritty, very violent show, or, or superheroes are more gritty. They're confining them to the, the, the series, which is fine. It gives them a chance to appeal to a broader audience, because these would be, these would be R-rated. If these were, if Daredevil would be hard R-rated, yeah. Uh, if it was a movie, if Jessica Jones would be R-rated. This would be R-rated, or really hard PG-13. But these wouldn't make a, a Luke Cage movie wouldn't make a ton of money in theaters. Right, Jessica Jones would. Daredevil might, uh, but they're confining them to Netflix. They're making them longer uh, episodes, story arcs are longer, more nuanced with the characters. So they're doing a, a good job. Uh, with that said. Uh, I have not read any of the new Luke Cage stuff. I'm basing my thoughts on the 70s Luke Cage. Uh, most of the stuff I've read. Um, so, Mike Coulter plays him. I think he does a g- good job playing him. I do not like how Luke Cage, though, is portrayed in these series. Versus what Ami said. Maybe he, they soft him. He seems really reserved and softened up. Versus what I remember. Maybe that's how they changed the character over the years. But I remember him being a more, uh, not aggressive, but more overtly just uh, talkative and loud uh, back in the day. Maybe they softened him up. Maybe they figured that couldn't carry on. They have a little, I I mean, just talking from a comic perspective, because like I said, I'm only an episode in, especially these days. And I found it to be true, especially with Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Totally depends on who's writing him. Totally depends on who's writing him. Um they keep some traits similar, but um, <clears throat> Power Man and Luke Cage, uh, it's not like day and night necessarily, but you do get very different interpretations of the characters. Okay, maybe that's maybe I'm not, it's not used to it. Because when I was watching Jessica Jones, and he shows up in Jessica Jones, if you haven't seen it, he's in like... I haven't seen it, like but I mean, I, I get the idea that he is. And, and they, you know... I didn't like the fact that for a chunk of it, he was more... I. He was kind of using Jessica Jones as not a sex object, but a, a throwaway character for a little bit on Jessica Jones. It kind of kind of annoyed me for a character like Luke Cage. It was like, oh, he's a love interest. He's this hot guy, you know, fantasy thing. But then they used him a little bit in the plots, but it was sort of like, I, it kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, but I understand they had to introduce him. That was the best way to do it without having him totally overshadow Jessica Jones. Here, though... I do like the show. I, I don't dislike the show. Just his portrayal, I don't 100% agree with uh, how it's written, not how it's acted. But this is a really good series because uh, it's unapologetically uh, black, let's just say. 
takes place entirely in, in Harlem. Um, it's shot there, so it's authentic. The characters are all nuanced. It's not just like, I hate to get into it, but you can tell sometimes when they're just like throwing different ethnicities into something just to fill the status quo. Right. Okay, we need one. This, you have, this is like 95% of black cast, but it's in Harlem, of course it's going to be. Right. So you, no one should complain. I really haven't seen any complaints. I saw one idiot on, um, on one, one person said, oh, this show was too black for him or something. It's like, what, what do you expect it to be? It's, 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 it's Luke Cage. It's a, basically uh, was formed in a black exploitation era, which wasn't what, was, which isn't what the show is. This show right. is. Uh, so they evolved that. And it's in Harlem. Uh, but it's like, as you'll get into it, I, I'm, no spoils, it's a crime drama, though. Yeah. No, I, I, I can tell that from yeah. the first episode. I'm very excited about this that because I love crime drama. This isn't a, like, super villain of the week show. Right. This is like, this. there's a lot of elements to this show. Again, there's um, two main villains, maybe a third one. And without giving too much away, the, the the villain's very nuanced. Cottonmouth. Okay, yeah. Cottonmouth, who's played by da, 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 Marhishala Ali. He his portrayal is fan. I like him from Word Go. He there's certain there's certain actors that just command the screen with their presence with their charisma. Yeah. He's that guy. Okay. Where he's just like, okay, you have to pay attention to everything he does. Um. Then his uh, cousin is played by Alfred Woodard, who actually had a cameo as a different character in Civil War, as the mother that complained about her son getting killed. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. That bothered, oh, okay. So that bothered me. Uh-huh. But they're probably like, "Wow, she did such a great job. Let's cast her for this for this show." I hate when they do that, but she's a great actress. She's in there. Uh, Simone Missick uh, plays Misty Knight, who's a, um, I guess, a more minor character from the uh, from the uh, comic. Yes. Uh, smoking hot. F- you've seen the first episode. Holy, yeah. holy shit. Yep. Um, and but that character is a little more nuanced as you go along and interesting. So and of course, uh, uh, Rosario Dawson is in it. She shows up later on. She's in it too, which weaves through Jessica Jones and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Who doesn't like Rosario Dawson? So I'll just say this: there's a shift halfway in between on, on the show without giving too much away. There's definitely almost like two major plots, but they're still connected that happen. But this does not drag like I felt Jessica Jones dragged. So this is a full 13 episodes that I think needs more than 13 episodes. Jessica Jones, I think they could have done in like nine or ten episodes. Yeah, you always said that. If they really wanted to. Uh, <clears throat> which almost is like, they almost feel like, I don't see why a series feels like on Netflix why they have to have a certain amount. Like uh, a show like Stranger Things was like, what, ten episodes? Wasn't 13 uh, Longmire, which I love, was 10 episodes, wasn't 13. I don't see why you have to feel the need to fill that much space. Right. Because it's not like you're running them weekly. Just put out 8, 10 episodes, and that's your fill. So, I'm not done with the last episode yet, so I'm, I'm going to see how it's set up. But I am looking forward to Defenders, which is going to come out, I'm guessing, a year from now. Yeah. And that's going to have Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and our buddy Iron Fist. <laughs> And that teaser trailer Woo! just dropped. Ian, you you explain what happened in that teaser trailer real quick. Uh, it well it uh, it just because Ian was giddy as a schoolgirl <laughs> watching the trailer in front of me. Um, Iron Fist is one of my uh, absolute favorite Marvel characters. Um, I mean, really, my favorite Marvel characters probably lie somewhere in the X Men, but I, I kind of hold them separate. Iron Fist is my like favorite Marvel character. Um, one of my favorite Number one or top five, top three, probably like. 
probably number one. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah, very, very close, uh, if not number one. Um, The uh, Fraction Asia run of Iron Fist is, I think, one of the best things Marvel's done in a a, a decade, if not a couple decades. Uh, It just shows him training, getting his tattoo, uh, kicking (laughs) kicking some ass. Some martial arts ass. Uh, It's a very, very short trailer, but, like, literally, I watched it right before we started the podcast, and uh, I was squealing. And I'll tell you what, Ian's reaction made me feel better, because I've been feeling like shit the past few weeks, and seeing, honestly, seeing your kid reaction, (laughs) I made me feel better. I was like, wow. I was I was literally like transformed into a child again just watching it. I so, can't fucking This is wait. why I'm looking forward to Iron Fist because besides being a cool character, I'm hoping to see the team up with with uh, Luke Cage at some point as a series because they are what, buddies. Because that's the one thing about the show that this this season of of Luke Cage isn't heroes for hire. It's just Luke Cage hanging out in Harlem fighting the basically the bad guys. Right. Which which is okay, but I, I would I like to see it change to a heroes Cage for hire. Cage needs his buddy. He is kind of bland by himself, Cage. Cage bland. needs his buddy. I and mean, they are opposites, kind of. I mean, they're not always together, but I mean, when they are, that's. But you don't want to. You don't stuff. see. Uh, you know, there's Harlem. Yeah. Big guy and a martial artist, yeah. more, more smart ass together. You want to see that dynamic, that, yes, that peanut do. butter and jelly. God, I'm so happy. The, 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 <laughs> the one, the, here's the one thing I forgot to bring up about, about Luke Cage, though, that is going to be more apparent in Iron Fist is that you can, you can hurt Iron Fist. Yes, he's closer to Daredevil. That Daredevil gets his ass kicked. In, oh, you in. can definitely hurt Iron Fist. Kind of hard to, to to beat up Luke Cage, <laughs> which is the one element of the of the show that I think is the only thing is that there's no dramatic tension to these fight scenes. There's no moment like in Daredevil in the first one. One fight happens in the both seasons where there are long extended one. One shot fights and, and Daredevil season one. It's it's the um, yeah in season one. I, I haven't seen season fight. two, but in season one, it's the hallway fight. In season two, he fights off a, a motorcycle gang, and it's brutal. Like and it's always brutal. Like it, he's he, Daredevil almost dies in both seasons. Yeah, from his from his injuries. That's why you have the night nurse. You have Rosario Dawson's character uh, Claire uh, Temple help him out, um, and you get to see sweet sweet Rosario Dawson. But kind of hard to do that with Luke Cage. You know, at the end of an episode, Luke Cage is going to walk in and see bolts bounce off him, and he just deals with these guys, and it's like, okay. They do solve that somewhat. Again, spoilers, minor, halfway through the season. They find a way around it. But again, overall, though, if 90% of Luke Cage's fights, you know he's going to win, it's kind of hard to root for a superhero in like that, that. In that arc that I talked about, that's so fantastic, that uh, Iron Fist arc, Luke Cage is very minimally, minimally involved in the beginning, but it's to save Iron Fist's ass as he's yeah. almost dead, drags him back to Luke Cage's apartment, and they're sitting there chilling as Iron Fist is, like, hanging on to life, and they're surrounded by, like, takeout Chinese boxes. It's one of my favorite panels in a comic oh, really? ever. It's just, yeah, it's fantastic. But that's the point, though, is that, like, Spider-Man is more powerful than Luke Cage, but Spider-Man can be killed easily. Yeah. He can be shot and killed. Luke Cage can't. Right. So it's like it's hard. It's like you need someone super-powered to match up more easily with Luke Cage, you give him a chance. While Spider-Man, you have some tension at least just fighting off robbers because they can shoot and kill. So they got to work that out. I think more maybe with season two, you'll have someone more super powered uh, to fight him. Not that the, not that well, the, he is in danger. Well, he is in danger in season one, but they got to work up to that though. Well, another way around it is to give him, like I said, if Iron Fist is more involved, give him someone he cares about to protect, to protect, maybe, which at least gives you an emotional thing to well, work with. Maybe they'll work toward that towards the season two of both. They'll just combine it. Yeah, and I'll be like, you know, like be like, ah! yeah, I, I will, I will, I will take a day off. 
what a time to be alive, right? Right. Q&A time <laughs> right. on the CU podcast. At Richie Plex, have Nintendo, has Nintendo dropped the ball with, by not including uh, NES-specific virtual console store on the new NES Mini? So, I don't remember what article it was that I was reading when the NES... Uh, it's NES Classic. We keep NES calling Classic it. We keep edition. calling it the Mini. Well, everyone well, knows it's NES Classic. I, I keep calling it the Mini too. So I'm not like shitting on the guy. I'm just saying like I I keep calling it that too. Um, when it first came out, I read an article. I don't remember, no, remember where, but they said or it was rumored that there was going to be some sort of eShop connectivity for it for NES titles, and obviously that's not the case. Um, I don't think Nintendo's really dropped the ball. The thing's still going to sell like hotcakes. However, I do think that would have been a fantastic addition to it. I understand Nintendo not wanting to do um, expansion cards or SD cards because that would have made it um, a lot easier to hack, um, blow open, fill it with ROMs, etc., which is obviously not something they want. Because people have done that with the Wii. Yeah, exactly. You don't want any sort of real interface uh, on the outside for them to be able to do that, because obviously, that make, like I said, it makes it easier to do so. Um, but I think, you know, uh, some sort of... It would have increased the price a bit, but I, I think they could have been looking at a lot more money to be made off of this if they included a way to access an NES-specific eShop. I don't know what it would have taken from them, but... I don't know that it would have been that difficult for them to be able to allow you to access it and download additional. They would have had games. to have an entire interface and software built into this. Um, okay. Increase the cost. I think the cost would have went up tremendously. They had to do that because then you need an Ethernet port or some sort of Wi-Fi adapter built into it. I right? figured they would probably would have just abandoned the Ethernet and gone Wi-Fi. Okay, so you do that. You have to you have to have software support just continually onwards, uh, updating servers. With this, you don't need servers. This sure. is just software. You're, that's it forever. Uh, software upgrades, uh, people working behind the scenes. This is all costs that they have to work in. So I'm not sure what that would be, but you're not looking at any longer a sixty dollars console. It might be a ninety dollars, hundred dollars console. And then is that really something you're going to buy for Christmas? And, you know, like I'm, fair enough. They, everything done in business obviously is done on cost benefit analysis. What is the potential? benefit of them including that versus the cost of, of sales. Okay. Because you know. remember, they're already paying the license to get those games on there to begin with. So now then, I don't know what the deals are between the ones already on the virtual shops, but there might they might have to go back out and get those separately for a device like this. It could be maybe, because aren't there different games on the Wii versus the Wii U? Uh, yeah, shops. you're absolutely there right. Might be, they might have to go back there and renegotiate for every fucking game Plus, separately. they're already selling that. these quote-unquote ROMs and games cheaper than they normally do on the virtual console yeah. at roughly two ninety nine a piece as opposed to four ninety nine a piece. Okay, this is making more sense. So yeah. plus at sixty dollars for one of these, that's the price of a new game. This is an impulse purchase. Yeah, you're right. You're probably raising this to about ninety to a hundred. It's no longer an impulse purchase. This is a more serious buy. So well, it would be nice functionality. It probably knocks it out of the range of selling these to everyone to selling I- these to a more selective audience. I think even if you raise it to 80 or 90, you're going to have people say, there's a reason I try to keep the cost down. I hate to bring up the book. Uh, $60 versus 80 or 90, psychologically, while it's only a third more money, 
That's a like that's a lot more money. No, sixty is a price point that I think psychologically in people's head is a limit for a lot of things. Yeah, once you go to ninety bucks or a hundred, you're like, ooh, now I got to think about even that. seventy. I think for a lot of people, like I said, psychologically, sixty is is it. it's a triple A title cost. Yeah, right? which it's remained steady for well, for like twenty twenty five years for that just about twenty years, and then yeah. Then they're then they're yeah they're, then they're underselling themselves too because then yeah if you buy the sixty dollar NES Classic Edition Nintendo then has to sell these models for a dollar each and they can't do that when they're being sold on the other consoles for four or five. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. At we don't know who asked this. Any sports games that made you appreciate the sport more or even like it? Something like Mario Tennis, for example. Ian, you hate sports. What do you think? <laughs> um. Actually. Um. I've always loved baseball games, and um, baseball games, uh, playing them in my late teens with my friends who were very into baseball, I've played baseball games my whole life, um, video games. Without playing, without liking the sport. Without really having much of an interest in the sport, okay. but a lot of my friends are really in, into the sport, the actual sport baseball, and always played the baseball video games, and uh, I can without a doubt say that yes, Playing baseball video games, learning the players, learning more about the positions, my friends teaching me the strategy of baseball as we played baseball games, and then going to some baseball games with my friends gave me an appreciation of baseball that I never had before, and honestly, um, I love going to baseball games, and it really uh, is kind of the um, uh, the game that uh, really uh, turned baseball into a sport that I... I, I I have learned to like lifelong. There are seasons that I don't pay attention to at all. There are seasons that I pay attention to very closely. Unfortunately, this has not been a season I've paid attention to that closely, which is a shame because it's been a very exciting season from what I've read up My on. My Mets got to the wild card game but lost. Yeah. Well, they were real, real with injuries, though. Our buddy Wendy Chris loves the Mets, too, and was really bummed and sad. Um, football was another one. Now, I don't follow football at all anymore. I haven't followed football since I moved out to uh, San Diego. But uh, in high school, my friends played a lot of football games. I actually got good at football games. When I got a Dreamcast, I looked forward to getting the new NFL 2K every year. They were just super fun games. Um, when we talked about what the hell was it on? Oh, we were going over that one time list, and I gushed over NFL 2K5. I mean, I, I loved those NFL 2K games. Um, that actually helped me enjoy uh, football Sundays for a long time when I was uh, in my last five years in Buffalo. Uh, when I moved out here, I fell off of football because I was always, uh, um, always uh, working Sundays. And I just, uh, various aspects of football, I've, I've really grown a distaste for football. Uh, lastly, I'd say, uh, you will never ever get me to watch golf or tennis in real life, but probably my two favorite sports games to uh, play now, like I really do love uh, playing tennis and golf games. And I still uh, will buy, um, uh, I, I did actually always like soccer, so that doesn't really count, okay. but I, I will watch uh, soccer and baseball still. Um play those games, and I do play tennis and uh, uh, golf games. Uh, I guess I come from somebody different. I liked most sports as a kid and played them. Uh, I did Little League for like 10 years, so baseball. Uh, I played basketball on the courts with my friends. I loved the Knicks growing up. Um, you hear about my street tennis days? I yes. street tennis. And I actually tried out for tennis in high school. I didn't make it. Uh, but I still enjoy and play tennis. By the way, guys, tennis is a great date with a grill. Tennis is a fun activity. Anyway, um, so tennis and football, I grew up with football, I love football. And ice hockey, I played street hockey, I love the Rangers. So 
different sp- sp- place where I'm coming from here. I liked all of those. I and I did like playing golf games, even though I couldn't watch golf on TV. It's very tough. Yeah, not for me to do that. Mini golf doesn't count. Mini golf's not golf. It's different. But uh, this is what I'm going to say is that there's no reason not to like sports games though, because it's not like the skills or hand-eye coordination or what you're doing is different than regular games. You know, right? There's there's some strategy. There's some thinking. There's some twitchy stuff involved, like there are with a lot of some popular genres. Uh, it's just packaged differently. So I like racing games. I hate watching. Ra- I hate NASCAR. I hate IndyCar racing. Yeah, know, I love a certain IndyCar game. IndyCar game. I don't see how they have to be synonymous with one another. They don't, and that's another thing. True, a sports game. I mean, as time goes on, they get more realistic. They do, you know, feel more like a sport or something. But especially when you're looking at classic gaming, classic sports game doesn't represent a, a sport. No, it, ice hockey is just a. It's just a massacre. It's like anyway. <laughs> it's like a pong game with chubby, car- cute car- Nintendo yeah. characters. Or Tecmo Bowl is like, it's a game of kind of like checkers with some action thrown in. Mm-hmm. You know, selecting one of the four players and plays and you know having some strategy. So yeah, I, I just never bought that. I just think it's like, why would you close yourself off with any gaming genre like that? You at least got to give it a try. And plus, they're not even in the same genres. Uh, a football game is totally different than a baseball game, and totally different, totally different than a than hockey game, or totally different than a basketball game. game. They're, yeah. they're all sort of different. The closest you can say is like hockey and basketball. You score. And shit, golf games are like math games. Geometry yes. games. I mean, geometry, uh, timing, and yes, yeah, selecting the right club. And yeah, that's a totally different game than playing a baseball. So when you say I hate all sports games, that's like sports to me is almost like not even a genre in terms of the gameplay mechanics. You know, it's a genre of game. You can count. Like you, you can kind of count each sport as its own genre, but you can't count sports as a genre. I find that very difficult to do. Unless you're writing a book and you have to do that because otherwise <laughs> you're gonna drive yourself fucking nuts. Yeah. Um. This is from. At Long Arms Show. For the completely unnecessary Let's Play, will it be mostly NES slash older games, or will modern games be played as well? Well, I mean, really, that comes down to, obviously, Pat and I to decide as things go on. Um, It's been fun to start out with some older games, and uh, without giving away any of the ones that Pat and I have have done recently, it's been fun to play some really out-there ones. Some of them have been absolutely fucking miserable. Uh, We've so far played, we'll say we did one round of NES games, one round of PC Engine slash Turbo games. Yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully you'll get some fun out of that. Um, I would like to you know, get to sit down with Pat and play some more modern games, um, but we'll have to see where it goes. I think right now we need to play games that are on the shorter side, or potentially beatable. I don't know that Pat or I... Now, Pat can disagree with me, and that would be cool. Um, but I, I don't know that you're ever going to see Pat and I sit down and do something like a, a Skyrim playthrough, because it's just going to be... I mean, where would we cut off that Let's Play? I don't see Pat and I taking a month to play through something like Skyrim. Now, if it's an action game or Pat and I are playing a few rounds of a modern fighting game or wrestling game, that's something that's absolutely, you know, feasible. That's totally something. Or a modern indie game, sure. So, like, in terms of modern like that, if it's, like, 
you know, round based, like I said, a fighting game or, or something like that, or a sports game even. Yes, you, you will probably see some modern stuff like that. I don't think you're going to see us playing through any epic adventure games, but who knows? I don't think something like Legend of Zelda will be out of the question. Something that takes like two hours. No. Like it'd be fun or Zelda 2. Yeah. And one person can help with the map or whatever. Uh, but yeah, but we're not going to do a 20 hour game. No. I see, see, see some Let's Play series with like part 57. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> unless it's a very particular game or I don't know. I don't. I just don't see that happening. I, it just seems like I don't want to be next to Ian that long at one time. No. <laughs> you know, but, but I will say this though. Uh, about it is that we have to stick with older games because that's the audience on YouTube. Yes, you know, so we we can't just become. Even though it'd probably be a lot better if we became Minecraft players, you know, that's just not the channel. That's not, that's not our interest. Uh, in terms of people calling, oh, Pat, you're a let's play now. You're being a hypocrite because you, you hate let's plays. Listen, listen, good. I never said I would never ever do let's plays because what do you think the NES Marathon is? First of all. That's technically a 30-hour a, a Let's Play we do every year. Yeah. Well, it is for charity. It's a Let's Play. Um, I just always said they don't take a lot of uh, talent to do it, which they really don't. You, you're, you're playing games and having fun and making quips. You know, I mean, so that's what I meant by that. And, and plus, this isn't a Let's Play channel, and I've been doing this for eight years before even doing a Let's Play video. So if you're saying I'm being hypocritical, fine, run with it the, the past being a hypocrite. If that's what you want to hang your hat on, that's weak. I think I built up enough equity without feeling defensive with eight years of NES Punk videos, Flea Market Madness, uh, even Ask Frank, I Ask Ian, if you, if you get the DVD exclusives. Um, there's only like two episodes I edited, I think. Um, there's only one out there. Oh, I think you did, I think you threw one up online once. Yeah, find, find those ads if you're on my Patreon, you can see Ask Ian from way back. Um, things like that, and the podcast that I should be allowed, and a, a fucking book that took three years, I should be allowed to do something that's, we'll just say, lazier than the other content I've been putting out for almost ten years. I think I'm entitled to it at this point. I think I built up the equity to it. So if you're going to call me a hypocrite, call me a hypocrite, but I'm still working working hard. All, so. all I'd say about it is I still don't necessarily understand them. I realize that there's a <laughs> market for it. Um, I think it's fun uh, in a, in a way, I, I I need to. I don't necessarily think I'm uh, you know hilarious, but what I do think is fun is uh, what I think the best thing about the let's play is, and I'm dead serious when I say this. I agreed to do the let's play because it's a reason for Pat to sit on his fucking ass and play a fucking video game. So if it gets Pat to sit down and play video games. <laughs> Not for the book. If it gets Pat and Not to, for a video. Yeah. If it gets Pat to just play some video for games. For actual fun. For fun, then I'm okay with doing it. So it's actually Ian's doing it for my therapeutic uh, aspect. I, I'm, I'm trying to do it as a friend so he can okay. fucking cool right. off. I didn't even think about that because you're actually right. Because I need to actually play games for actual just fun and fun alone. But if we happen to actually record at the same time... Why not? The recording and is you can secondary. See, you are seeing my therapy uh, <laughs> sessions out there. That makes perfect sense. That's how I'm going to frame it going forward. I'm, I'm, I'm actually serious. Oh. That's how I That's how I was like, wow. okay, I'm doing this. Ian's doing it so I don't go insane more. Uh, what do you think about people, the, the, the love-hate it with the intro, uh, real quick? I like the intro. I mean, it's... 
We're, we're, we're doing a Let's Play, dude. Someone said that you're alienating Let's Play fans because you're making fun of people that like Let's Plays by doing that intro. I'm like, wow, you're really analyzing that that's, way that's, so much. That's reading way too deep into it. Like, if you've seen the ass Frank intros with the flea market man, is I like goofy-ass shit. Don't you realize that? We just spoke in horrible, spooky voices for the intro of the podcast. Well, half the people that watch this don't watch uh, well, it. Download the audio version on Podbean, Stitcher, or iTunes. While you're <laughs> we're so done. Anyway, so we're going to stick with probably more uh, retro stuff, unless there's a modern retro-style game we want to get into. I, I would, like that. I said, I would really love to do some re- uh, wrestling games or some fighting games someday, but it, it probably will be more, more retro than modern. Ian asks this question from <laughs> at Macho Sasquatcho. Good name. Uh... How was it collecting pre-smartphone? Was it hard to track prices and purchases? How often were uninformed buyers ripped off? There were no uninformed buyers being ripped off because before smartphones, people weren't trying to rip you off. That's a really weird thing to ask because before the smartphones, it was you'd have maybe one person selling retro games at most at a flea market. But for the most part, it was still the Wild West. It was still $2 NES games. They're all marked the same price. And this was well before uh, repros and, and, and uh, counterfeit games. So you didn't worry about getting ripped off. Because uh, for the most part, if there was a, a seller pricing something, it came from just eBay, but there was less demand overall. You, you weren't less likely, you would be less likely to get ripped off because you had less impetuous buys anyway. Because if I didn't buy something at the flea market, I can go and buy it online. You know, for the same price the person was asking. So that's, that's really strange. Let me walk you through a 2008 flea market. And then I'll walk you through like a 97 one. Uh, or whatever, even 2004. The very few game collectors that were out there that were searching for it, I had literally a printed out 10 pages of the games I had with the checklist. That was, I was stupid because I was doing the opposite. I was like, I should have just put out the ones I had remaining and just crossed them off. I printed the ones I had because I'm a fucking idiot. So it was just, it was like 10 pages. <laughs> That's got to be so tedious. Of a, like Mike Etler's rarity list. <clears throat> so you go out to a flea market, and sometimes I forget it and I buy, I buy extras. I didn't start, I, I remembered how many games I've had up until about 350. Then I start buying extras and be cursing myself for buying extras. Because they were so cheap. Why not? $2 each. You know, buy 20 games for $10 at at uh, English Town in a garbage bag. I would do that. You knew what... You had to do your research from websites, from what was out there on eBay, from forums uh, out there. Like, go on, I guess, in 2005, I was probably on, I guess, Digital Press, maybe, or not even that that many web forums, but just websites in general. You knew what was rare still. You knew what you wanted. You might not be able to even spend as much because the demand was low. But you knew what you needed and what you wanted when you saw it. You still knew what a good deal was. You knew if you saw a Bonks Adventure for $2 at a flea market, you're going to buy it, you know, or any game for $2. So it was more about the availability and the prices being lower because there was less competition. There was less sellers knowing to price it for higher. So you, it was very rare in 2005, 2006 to see more than one or maybe two at most sellers mark stuff above a generic price. You know, the people that were there every week, the people that had, like, at Englishtown, the indoor booth, yes, they would price stuff on eBay even back then. But the regular person bringing out their games wouldn't do that. So there was, and there was less people collecting in general, so you were more likely to find those good deals still uh, there. Uh, So it wasn't hard to track the prices because there wasn't a lot of 
upsell on those prices, and you didn't feel the need to buy it again because you can just go home and buy it online. If someone's like, ooh, $15 for that game, you can go home and look on eBay to see if it was right. And if it was right, well, you wait for an open auction and buy it for 12 or 10 plus shipping. You still get it for cheaper. So I'll go back a little bit further. Um, when I was doing the majority of my buying, it was like 98 99 2000 um, eBay was around, uh, but it was far less used and and far more considered risky. So a lot of people didn't necessarily. Oh, really? I didn't consider it that risky back then. I, I didn't not either, but there were people who back in the days there... when when you had to buy money orders and mail out money orders. <laughs> that's what I did to get my big box gyromite. You know? So I mean, some people were still very wary of it. So what it was is you would go out and. You, Gather around. We're easy to no. tell you about the old, <laughs> old time. No, but, but you know, you'd have one or two people. You you would usually have one guy who really focused on the retro stuff, and then you would have your like I've always called them garage sale tables, where your yep. mom and pops have the boxes, and that's where you'd get your real big deals. But you'd go and you'd you'd have the people, the the, the guys that you would talk, the, the main guy who would sell, and um, how you would kind of track the prices and the purchases is a lot of times it seemed regional back then before uh, carts started flying all over the place. Okay. And you would notice just from your collecting and going to the flea markets every weekend, what you saw a lot of and what you saw very few of. And you would kind of understand, okay, if this guy's asking 10 for this, but you only see it every once in a while. Well, he's probably asking a fair price for it, as opposed to this game that he wants three for that he's got a, a yeah, billion he's got of. Twelve. He's of got a billion of. And if you're asking him for a game that he doesn't have, and he's like, "Well, I got a buddy up at this other flea market I do, and he's got it, but he won't let it go for twenty. And he's like, "But you buy a lot for me, I can do it for fifteen. Okay. There was, especially when you shopped with a guy a lot, there was definitely with that a mutual trust and respect that you built up with these guys and that's how you um you kind of prevented yourself from getting not ripped off also there was the all-powerful we've mentioned it before mike etler's rarity guide Mm -hmm. and um back then it really was a great source of information certainly not the most accurate it wasn't 100% accurate but still it was 89% accurate yep and he grabbed it and he took it with you and if a guy wanted Thirty dollars for something that was not matching up proper on Atler's Rarity Guide. You knew that person was probably trying to shank mm-hmm. you. So, um, you know, there there were pre-smartphone ways to kind of ballpark whether or not the guy was um, trying to was giving you a good deal or not. Especially back then, uh, they were also willing to do a lot of bulk deals. So, if you felt like the prices were too high per individual piece they were asking, um, and and this is still a a good way to do it modern times, but especially then, this was the best way to get these people down to the the right price, was to grab a stack of 10 games that you think they're overpricing by a couple bucks a piece, and then they would probably get them down to like a couple bucks under a piece. Um, But I always felt it was good to do business with the same people, and it was always good to keep track of how many... Um, games they had because at least where I'm from, um, the people I did business with at like the flea markets I went to, uh, they would have multiple multiple boxes. These people who doubt who were constantly dealing in the NES, the Genesis, the Super Nintendo stuff, so you could always get a good idea of what their stock was at any given time, and you could kind of tell if the prices were fair. There were always 
there were always message boards for this stuff, even in the early days of the collecting. You could always find out what the prices were elsewhere, see what other people were paying. We're, we're actually forgetting about Funko Land. They had their yeah. own price, the price list. You could check Funko Land's price they list. Had a website you can go and look at prices, and you can pick up the sheet at the, at the store. And then, and then as time the, went on, once um, Digital Press started putting out their guide, mm-hmm. you could always get a rough idea. So pre-smartphone, you did have uh, paper things that you could carry around. Um, you had your relationships with the buyers that you could trust that you could kind of rely on, and. Uh, but there was less urgency, though. There was, there, yeah, there was way less urgency. It wasn't be- like, oh my god, I'm never going to see that again because you would see it again. Yeah, and know? because there was less urgency, if that game, even if there was only two copies of that game, and the guy quoted you twenty, and you're like, well, it's a rarer game according to Mike Etler here, but I don't want to pay twenty for it. Less urgency, meaning it's going to be there in three weeks' time. So you come back three weeks yeah. later and you go, how about twelve? And the guy's probably going to go, yep. I'm even talking talking like 2006, 2007. I was just so out of it by then, but yes, you're probably right. Even in 2007, even 2008, you still have some sellers on eBay, and buy it nows weren't the norm even yet. Buy it nows no. weren't the norm until about six years ago. Mm-hmm. You have people that would list like their collection off, and they'd, they'd mark it like game one, one of like 500, start them all at 99 cents. And even if you, uh, the, I don't think they had the sniping programs around 10 years ago, but you would snag tons of games that way because um, there were no programs like that that were sophisticated. You didn't have places like Lukey Games using sophisticated bot programs to buy everything up, assholes. You know, so you could then just wait that time period and go, oh, I want these games, and put in your manual little snipe, and you get some good deals that way because they were listing them all out. Like, there was, like, 12 auctions going off every couple minutes or whatever. That's how they were listed. So that was a different time, too, just be, just because uh, I think, you yeah, know, less people were aware there's less night programs. And that's not necessarily has anything to do with smartphones, but it, even things were listed on eBay differently at the time. Mm-hmm. The, the, the buyer more dictated the selling price, not the seller. Now it's the opposite. Yes, exactly. It changed with that. All right, and our last one is from at MSU Hitman. What is the launch lineup the NX needs to be successful out of the gate? Well, you need some freaking third-party support. That's for sure. You do need some third-party support. And, uh, I, I uh, you know, kind of to go back to something that we've brought up a few times, um, you are going to need some of those EA Sports titles. I really do believe you're going to need some of those. Is there anything that comes out, though, first in the spring that usually comes out? I think the Tiger Woods. But I that's was, not that's gonna be huge, huge. Yeah, but I, I do think you're gonna need to see your baseball. Races. Baseball but, games come out in the spring. Yeah, they? Uh, yeah, they do. April. So you're probably so that'll gonna... help. But it EA will... doesn't have the license for it, so fuck. That doesn't work. Okay, okay. so <laughs> disregard the, that stuff. But I do think you're gonna need to see sports games on the system. Um, you've got the Zelda, so that's good. You are gonna need to see the Zelda, even though it's gonna be on the Wii U. Um, kind of scratch the Wii U because this is ne- this needs to be a fresh start for for Nintendo. Um, we're going to need to see a Mario, and I, I don't mean Nintendo, I don't mean new Mario NX. We need, and as much as I loved Super Mario 3D World, we need a new, new uh, Mario, Mario with a new concept like, and a new idea. Like how Mario Galaxy was a new idea that did game yes. on the Wii. Well, rumor has it, I won't say how Pat knows, that there is going to be Breaking news. Not news, but it's a rumor. There will be a Mario game launching when the NX comes out. 
Can't say how I know that, but there's news that it's going to be different. It's going to be different than what you expected. That's all I can say right now. So you can print that up on websites, but that's all I can say. Um, I can't give away my source. <laughs> I don't necessarily think we need like a Mario Kart out the gate. No, absolutely not. Um, we don't need a Smash out the nope, gate. Those are, those right. are really good games that you mid-life you, you need midlife games. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think something like a Pikmin is something we need out the gate either because it doesn't it doesn't push no. the systems. You you need to get the people you need to attract people that would would say oh well I have a PS uh, three do I even need to get a PS four or you know what I mean or need to get the PS four upgrade maybe I can get an NX. I would know? really like to see um, a real solid Metroid game out the gate. Um, they I mean obviously they do they just haven't fucking talked about a goddamn thing uh, so we don't know but a real Metroid game would make so many people happy. Because we didn't have one. On the, right, on the right. We didn't have one. Uh, so a real Metroid game. Um, an announcement, even at launch, of a mother game, a console mother game coming out would get people excited. Like something like a good turn-based RPG. Is that going to move the needle, though, for the casual audience? I think much? it might. Uh, something by Square. Something by Square would, would get people excited. Um so you're saying get get that new Final Fantasy game has to be on the on no. The- I'm not saying 15 would would make anyone give a shit. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the third party stuff that we haven't seen in a long time on a Nintendo console that would that would make people a care. decent Konami title if they're still making them. No, they're not um, Metal Gear. We don't need another Pilot Wings uh, to launch with the system. Uh, I, I think the Mario, the the Zelda. Um, we uh the metroid um god ubisoft will have something on it they they're the, ubisoft is is pushing it heavily unfortunately i don't really give a shit about ubisoft but lots of people do i think a solid third party support showing like i don't care for the series but put like an exclusive assassins creed game on there or something that would maybe get some people talking Put a Ghost Recon game on there. Put some of these flashy games. The Wildlands pe- game. Yeah, put some of these flashy games that people like on their, you know, ones and fours on an NX to show that these third-party companies are taking it seriously. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to have all those first-person and third-person shooters on the system. And, and these aren't gonna be launched necessarily, but show it. Um, put a Pokemon launch game on the system. Put uh, put a Pokemon help. game at. A launch game for Pokemon would be huge. Um, they've been doing these remakes that have been doing really well. Next in line would be Diamond and Pearl. Um, and these remakes they've been doing have been revitalizing even generations that some people didn't like. So launch with a Diamond and Pearl remake. Um, do a new Pokemon Stadium game. People liked those. Uh, don't do this Battle Revolution crap that they did on the Wii. They haven't done one since. Launch with something like that. Um I don't know. I'm just they 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 need indie heat NX. That's what you need. Indie heat NX. I um, I think I just think they they have to show that there's third party support. So every every big game that comes out in November December that's going to be like a big holiday title has to be ready to go on the NX. Like they have to have ports ready to go. They do. Um, even Which I don't see why they wouldn't be able to these companies if it's just as or if it's almost as powerful. They should be able to do it. I don't necessarily have faith in Nintendo to do this, but I think much like Microsoft with the One has 
cobbled together some sort of weird backwards software compatibility, even if the NX is cartridge, which I think it's going to be now, since it's it's going to be mostly handheld, they need to do some sort of transfer program. Mario Kart 8 needs to be able to be playable, I think, on the NX. And Smash absolutely needs to be able to be playable on the NX. How are they going to do that? Well, there's already rumor that there is an NX version of Smash coming out. And I think there at least needs to be... Make you buy it again. Be, right? Well, because of Nintendo NNID, the, the Nintendo ID, there at least needs to be a way to read that you own the game for the Wii. Like, put your disc in as a disc key check. There needs to be a way, at least for a discount, to get that transferred okay. over to your system. So that'd be a, like maybe some communication through Wi-Fi to saying, okay, that's your system, it's right there. And we it's can transfer there. this game over mm-hmm. to your system we, for, or like, for a discount. For like five bucks or something, we'll transfer it or something. Or there, there needs to be yeah, some no, way, there needs to be a goodwill ambassador program, kind of like they did for the 3DS, so that at least not all of these fucking games that you bought for the Wii U are, are trash. So, so that even if if there is like a Splatoon and things like that, yeah, Splatoon. So even if there is a weaker NX launch, not everything you got for your Wii U is garbage, and you can still jump on and play something well, like Mario Kart Eight with your friends. I think that's probably, hopefully, one of the main reasons they realized how weak the 3DS and uh, Wii U launch t- uh, lineup was that they had to have something more shored up. Yeah, but they still haven't announced anything, and we're but a Mario launch, the Zelda launch is already in the bag. I think a Metroid launch title would be huge, and I think some. I'm not saying they have to do it for all the games, but for their big three: Splatoon, Mario Kart 8, and um, shit. I already lost. Tra- oh, and Smash. They have to have some sort of. There has to be some sort of backwards. I think they need to have three three new games that'll be that'll be must haves. Not one. Not one and a half, three. They need three big games. Yeah. And they might have it. If it's, if it's Zelda, a Mario game, and a Pokemon, that might be it. But I'm talking like, a, I need a killer app. I need a killer app, but three of them. Yeah. I want overkill on this. And like, um, like I said, I'm not, you know, there's not a lot of EA. I don't remember the last EA. I, oh, I do buy some of the EA sports games. Um, but as much as I can't think of anything that tickles my f- Funny bone with like EA and Ubi, um, they they need to come out with something exclusive or a very good port of a very popular game that shows that they mean business this time around with their support of that system. Yeah, just a port. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be. A but it new has game. to be good. A good port. A good port. Well, the well, the, well, the rumor is that compiling these games to the NX will be. They'll be the same games. Yes, and Ubi's all like, jerking off all over the NX. But Ubi said that about the Wii U and fucked it off immediately. So I I really need to see that. Well, EA is the one that really fucked off the Wii U. Yes. No, they both did. But EA was didn't come out with like or anything really. They're like, yeah, we're we're all on board. And it's like, nope, we're not. We're not. Yeah, you're not getting anything. You know. So. All right. Um. What else is going on? We're done. We're done. Want to hear my bozo story, or next time we'll do my bozo story? Let's go next time. The bozo. I'm excited about that. I want to give that the the full. It's more of a philosophical discussion. All right, that we'll get into. But uh, uh, Ian, you have a Patreon. I do. It's uh, uh, Patreon dot uh, com backslash pxl sicle. It helps support both Pat and I. Uh, if you would like to donate to that Patreon, that's what will give you the full uh, video podcast. Uh, with all of our gaffes and guffaws and awkward transitions. 
And, uh, you know, that's a good time. That's, uh, that's a solid night of sitting down with a loved one and, uh, you know, just watching Pat and I sit here. It's like a thrilling movie. No, it's not. <laughs> Anyways, I've got nothing else. We're going to be at Portland October 22nd, 23rd. I'm going to be at Retro World in Connecticut October, Jesus, 15th this weekend. This weekend. And, and stay tuned for maybe an announcement next week for something else. And that app's going to come out eventually. I don't know when, but I'm looking for the NES app. You can get the book at ultimatenes.com. Uh, if you've gotten the book, please go on Amazon and review it. All good all good reviews so far. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm going to knock on... It's not wood. I don't know what this is made out of. Metal. Metal. Uh, but all all five-star reviews so far. And, uh, yeah. So, and now Ian's got to record uh, something else that I can't say what it's for. Real quick. A, a voiceover. Right. Yeah. Or maybe some classic moments from something that happened last year. All right, way to go. Kind of gave it away. All right, so for Ian Ferguson. You've dunce. I'm, I'm the dunce. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs>